Blog Talk Radio. All right, enough of that. We don't need no stinking introduction. We don't need any intro music. We're not New York. I'm KZ, and welcome to the June 3rd edition of Rubber Guard Radio. Our first segment is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Well, you guys know. You need Lucha masks, DVDs, T-shirts, all kinds of other stuff. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com, and Jeff will take care of you and tell them that uh, KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Uh, we're not going to cut through the crap. We're going to start right off the owner-operator, the man of the Empire Wrestling Federation, Jesse Hernandez. Good morning, How sir. How are you, my friend? How are you? Good ah, <laughs> man, it's hot, brother, in more ways than one. It is. It's pretty warm out here in San Bernardino. A little cloudy, you know, but still warm. A little oh. bit warm. Well, uh, we just got hot off the uh, off the newswire uh, from the... WWE pay-per-view this past Sunday in San Diego, uh, the big show. Uh, he took some stiff cane shots, and he's having an MRI done on his face. Oh, um, man. Last time I checked, boys, this is supposed to be a work. But wow, that's a shame. You know, he got he got killed by four other guys. They just murdered him with those with those canes. And oh man, unbelievable! It's it, it is unbelievable. What's up with these guys, man? I don't know, Jeff. This isn't the business that you and I both fell in love with. No, it isn't. It's changed tremendously. Uh, where's it going to end? Till somebody dies, you know, in the ring, you know, in a match? That's crazy. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with, you know, seeing guys in the ring for 25 minutes, grabbing an arm, grabbing a leg. You know, I, I love that. That's what I grew up on, not on guys flying around all over. But I have to give you credit. You don't have many matches on your show, but you give the boys 20, 30 minutes to go out there and tell a story. And I have to, I have to put you over. You're, you're, you're teaching your boys properly. And girls. And girls. Can't leave out the ladies. Don't want hey. Melina to come and scream and, and bite my head off since they are in California. <laughs> well, you know, when I try to teach my, my students and my in my promotion, you know, uh, I don't let the guys run as wild as other promotions, and there's a reason. The reason is, you know, that these guys, this is a stepping stone for them, for these young talents, and their goal is to someday work for the top promotions. Now, if I allow them to dress the way they they want to with Levi's and everybody will turn, they will look like a backyard promotion, you know. And now, you know, we try to take those tapes, what we film, we try to have the boys use it to get a hit, to get you know, to show to somebody, somebody like. Uh, like uh, WWE, maybe to hope, hopefully down the road get a get a, a tryout with them, and you know, and so that's what we try to teach in the Empire Wrestling Federation. Uh, very easily, we could turn things around, and I could make a lot of money. But you know what? Uh, that that's not a future for our guys. You know, they 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 need to be. You know, somebody needs to take control and tell them, hey, this is what you got to do. This is how you got to dress. This is because you know what? If you do things on your own, your own way. It's not going to uh, open up a door for you, mm-hmm. and it, you know you, you you look like a mess. And, and Vince is not going to h- hire people that don't look like wrestlers, that don't dress like wrestlers, and that don't act like wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, gear is very important because you in the ring should not like look like the guys out in the crowd that are paying to see you. That's true. That's that is true. A big point. 
And my co-host Alex, who can't be on the show today, he is really, really, really big on gear. You need to look like a professional. You need to act like a professional as opposed to a weekend warrior. Even if you are a weekend warrior, you still have to go out there and look like a professional. That's right. That's 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 what EWF is all about, man. We want our guys to look like professionals. We, like I said, we tape our matches, and we 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 we, we want the guys to show off these matches to hopefully get uh, a better payday somewhere else, mm-hmm. bigger promotions out there. Sure. I mean, mm-hmm. some uh, a dot comer is not going to go out to a job interview without a resume. That's right. That's, that's it exactly. I mean, either it's a DVD or it's an email with YouTube clips or whatever. You need mm-hmm. to go out and you need to make sure that you're working on shows where you're being filmed. And if they're not filming, have your friend come and film it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just yeah, your I match. Absolutely. And, and if you explain to promoters, hey, I'm going to bring my friend to record my match. Mm-hmm. I'm not selling it. This is for my resume and whatnot. Yeah. To be honest, 9 out of 10 promoters would not have a problem. You know, even honest. though I film my shows, I, we film our shows, and, and still, if we have a, an outside uh, talent coming in and they say, hey, man, we, you know, I got my whoever, you know, taping, uh, they, I just want to take my match, you know, because they, they, they may not want to wait for us to, get, you know, edit our tape, and, you know, it might take a week or two, you know, and they want the stuff now. I, I allow it. I go ahead. I have it filmed. No problem. As far as going back to guys in, in jeans and whatnot, there can only be one raven. Mm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. Raven came out in the '95 and '96 in ECW, and he did his thing. But it was him, and he was special. And it was okay. only him. That's right. It's and, just like you know, Vince is not going to hire two or three giants. He's not exactly. going to have three, two or three uh, little Rey Mysterios. There's only one little Rey Mysterio, not three or four or five of them. You know, exactly. Every, yeah, everybody has to uh, respect that. Like the last few years, it, it, a lot of guys that, that I've seen, uh, mainly on the East Coast, but there's some out here on the West Coast as well, they were Chris Benoit clones. Mm-hmm. One or two, fine. But right. when everybody else wants to you know, do the cross face and, and throw stiff forearms and headbutts off the top, it doesn't work because right. there's only one, and you could maybe do one or two clones, but more than that. That's true. You know? That's true. You gotta another, be your own. And and another thing, what about respecting uh, everybody else's finishes? You know what we what certain individuals use on television as a finish. You know that is a finish. You know, and 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 some of the young talent, the the young wrestlers, will take that and use it as a spot. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 it just kills it. It kills what the, those other boys are trying to do. You know, and it used to happen a lot with uh, you know, like with the DDT years ago with Jake. Mm-hmm. Robert, you know, he was do, using that as a finisher, and then you had these other guys uh, doing it as a false finish. It totally destroys the credibility of the move. I have to agree with you. Now it's it's a move that'll be caught in the middle of a match where it gives the guy give the guys time, double down, give them a couple seconds, and it's a transitional move as opposed to a finish. And you see these guys out on the scene doing this, and now. Uh, was it Cody Reynolds, Cody Rhodes on Raw, is using it as a finish. And now people see it and they don't think it's going to be the end of a match. Right. And they totally screwed up the psychology. It's ass backwards. <laughs> That's the you know, I mean, 
a signature move, a finishing move, should be one person. Now, different country, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem if you're one guy's using it here in the States and another guy's using it in Mexico and another guy in Japan, that's a different country. I don't have an issue with that. But using everybody using the same move, it's like, what, what, what good is it? What, what's special about it? It's not good. It's not good. It, it totally destroys the, the, the move and what, and, and what that wrestler is trying to do and accomplish on, on, on national television. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Well, you, you run your own school. You un, run your own promotion. Um, are there any kids that are, that are ready to, uh, to uh, leave the dojo and jump into the ring? Do you have anybody that's close that's ready to uh, you know, jump I, into the pool, per se? I got, I got some really, really good talent, you know, young kids. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, uh, we, uh, Chris Cadillac, for one, you know, uh, he, he's such a natural. He's a real thin individual, but very talented, very, very talented uh, and we now we're starting to use them more on our, on our shows, and and there's there's others, there's others. You know, we uh, I like to keep it as a surprise because uh, some of these young guys, I I like to put them on under a mask, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I think they, you know, once uh, and and to start using them on our smaller shows. You know, we do a lot of stuff with the uh, with the community, uh, Operation Phoenix here with the city of San Bernardino. We do events that that are are free to the public. You know, that it's a uh, their community events. So that's where some of the younger talent is going to get a little bit, you know, of experience before we uh, take them over to, uh, to say, Knights of Columbus in, in Covina, for example, you know. And uh, that, that's what we're doing. We're trying, to, we're trying to pick up a lot of smaller shows to give the younger guys some experience and a little exposure in front of a crowd. Well, they have to start from somewhere. And uh, the, the perfect example is uh, Ray Trailer, the big boss man. He started out as, you know, the, he was brought in as, as enhancement talent on NWA TV, and right. he worked a couple matches, I think like one against the Midnight Express, if I remember right, and then right. one with uh, singles with Tully Blanchard, and he uh-huh. took the slingshot suplex from Tully. Tully's maybe 220, and Bubba at that time was, I would say, a good 360, and he took the move properly, and Dusty saw it. Mm-hmm. Dusty was in the back watching this, and he saw this big, agile guy mm-hmm. who was out there just to put over, put over uh, Tully. And he saw this guy, and he saw talent in him, and, and that was it. Yeah, a few, few weeks later, Big Bubba Rogers was born, and there you go, one of the best big men ever. That's what it takes. It takes, you know, being out there and, 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 and doing the best that you can because you never know who's watching you. Exactly. You never... Exactly. That's what I tell guys. Mm-hmm. Whether there's ten people in the crowd or there's fifteen hundred, you don't right. know what faces are out there. That's right. That's right. I'll tell you. You know, you have to work. I agree with you. You have to work uh, twice as hard, if not more so, in front of ten people, and you will work just as hard as if there was a thousand. You know, you can't cheat them. Well, the fans will know. For sure. The fans know when you're when you're phoning it in. They know when you're only going halfway. And with some of the old timers, that's fine. They could get away with it because of the nostalgia factor. That's cool. Right. Right. I, I, yeah. I will gladly sit down and watch Jake Roberts go half half speed. As long as I see that DDT in the end, I'm happy. <laughs> Younger kids should never, ever phone it in. 
No, no, no. Um, yesterday, I watched Al Snow. He put out a new shit interview with our video, and he said that <clears throat> each 30-minute commercial on Raw is worth about $30,000. Yes. And you get six minutes on that show. I mean, yeah. we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars, how That's valuable right. that is. Very, very valuable. Can you imagine, you know, uh, somebody spending that kind of money for for you to be on TV? Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta give it your best. Exactly. Mess around. You have your six minutes. You need to go out there and show that you belong. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, you're getting on TV. That's enough. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, Al said that you know they don't they don't give you contracts. They give you an opportunity. Right, 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 right. That's it. That's you all you... <laughs> it's up to you guys to, to grab the ball and run. Yep. And I, I, I'm really discouraged with some of the schools. Um, they're not being taught properly. Um, well, you know, um, I used to tell the boys, you know, I mean, going back all the way to uh, when when uh, Frankie Kasarian and then... Some of the other guys, um, Chris Daniels, when they used to get their little tryouts with, uh, you know, WWE at the time, and 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 I kept trying to tell them, and, it, and Mikey Henderson finally came back and told me, you know, I should have listened to you a little bit more. Uh, you used to tell us, you know, they don't want to see you do so much. When you get a little seven-minute tryout, or sometimes a seven-minute tryout can turn into three into three minutes, and squeeze so much, so much that they don't want to see that. They, they just want to, you know. They just want to know that you can go in there and lock up and then and sell and and, and 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 work without having to fly all over the damn ring and trying to do so much. They're, they try to squeeze so much, you know, and, and you don't need to, you know, you're taking away from what 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 else they're going to do later on in the matches. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, Mikey Henderson is a perfect example. Um, I saw him, oh boy, uh, September 98 mm-hmm. in uh, San Jose. Right. And he was working a dark match. It was the second match on the show for a Raw. And he was working Funaki. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the first dark match that I've seen Mikey in. Um, right. Now, this time, he went out and he followed what Funaki wanted to do, as opposed to getting in everything. And right. they put together a really good six-minute match. And right. it, it, stole, it told a great story. And Mikey didn't do too much. Funaki didn't do too much. But they sat there and told the story. They got their point across. They got a standing ovation after. Right. And I have seen I've seen Mikey in other dark matches before this. Just go out and just kill everything and boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And they get you hyper. Know, they get, they wanna, exactly. It is. Exactly. You know. You, you know what it is? Is that they want to show who's watching. They want to show Ben and his people that they can do this move, they can do that move, they can do this, that, and, you know, it's just too much, you know. In the meantime, you have the the, the stars in the back watching in the monitors shaking their heads and saying, what the hell are we going to do next when we come out? What, what are they leaving us to do? Yeah, you know, exactly. Well, these, these young kids that get tryouts, they're mm-hmm. not going to be Vic uh, Grimes and Aaron yeah. O'Grady, which you were the referee for the match in Davis. Um, they won't. It won't be like that all the time. You will not have your tryout and go backstage and they offer your contract. That was the exception to the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember that match in Davis? I remember Davis, of course. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah. That, uh, you know, I've yet to see a dark tryout match 
you know, I take that back. There's one other that was, in my my opinion, better. But this one was just they did everything. They told the story. They got mm-hmm. the point across. They showed what they could do, but they mm-hmm. did not show everything. Right, right, right. And right, right. It, it it helped that they were, you know, in their home area. Mm-hmm. But also it was just a, a really, really solid match. Um, what were your uh, your memories about that match? Well, let me tell you. Uh, they... Um, uh, Actually, uh, Bassman got a hold of uh, got a hold of me because he wanted to get Tom Howard a, a tryout match. Him and and this other big guy I can't remember his name. Um, Hank Hill, I believe, was his name. Huge monster, you know. And uh, and Tom had just gotten back from Mexico, so he was all you know, uh, you know, the lucha style, hundred hundred miles an hour type of thing. And he wanted to do so much. I, I, they, they wanted. Um, Batman approached me about you know having him, having both them wrestled uh, Bobby Bradley, and uh, along with uh, Mike, along with Mikey Henderson. And um, and what happened was that. Um, one second. Let me turn off this. I got another phone that's ringing, and I. Uh, uh, so, anyways, but what happened was that. Tom wanted the match to go a certain way, and then Bobby, myself, and even even Mikey were trying to tell him, no, let's take it a different way. You know, we need to do it differently. So anyway, they had their first match in Fresno, okay? And um, and so then what happened was that in, in the match in Fresno, they, they, they just decided that, you know, that that's not what they, you know, they were not happy with it. They, they told Bassman to tell his boys not to have that they didn't have to show up in uh, in Davis, okay? Uh, that they had seen enough. But Bobby and uh, and Mikey Henderson and uh, another group of guys that were with us, we still all had to go to uh, Davis, you know. So Bassman wanted to come back. Well, you know, there's no sense in us going to to Davis, you know. So we're going to go back. But we were all together in a van, you know. So I says, I says, no, man. You know, see this kid right here, my, Mikey Henderson was only 17 years old at the time. And uh, he's a he's a minor, and he you can't just leave him here, brother. You know you're stuck with us. <laughs> you're responsible. This is your van. You rented it or whatever, you know. And guess what? You're you got to make the trip. <laughs> so we forced it to going out there, and and um, and once they saw that they showed up anyway, they took a, they they got us to the side and said, hey, you know we're gonna go ahead and do this match all over again. But they. Um, uh, they 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 told um, they told uh, they told us you know put it together this way that way and everything pretty much what they were talking about that how they wanted it is exactly how Bobby myself and uh, and Mikey were trying to tell Tom Howard to do it you know that's exactly you know pretty much you know tell about uh, uh, slow it down tell a better story you know and um, so <laughs> anyway that's that's how that's that's what I remember of that whole trip there so then mm-hmm. that that's how they wound up doing that match in uh, in Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a really fun taping. Um, those were the good days, ninety seven, yeah. ninety eight, when you know my friends are out there from Alpha Wrestling getting give tryouts. One, and give me one second, please. Sure uh, thing, sure thing. Hello. Okay, we have just the on hold. Can you call me back in an hour? <clears throat> All right. Sorry, uh, buddy. You know, you oh, just, it's all good. Calling and calling, you know. <laughs> Of course. Hey, everybody needs sponsors, brother. I understand that. It's all good. <laughs> I understand, you know. Uh-huh. I'm in the yeah. same boat. But, uh, yeah, those those tapings, 97, 98, 
you know, we mm-hmm. got to see some really good stuff. Even the enhancement matches. Um, there was one shotgun match from '98 with uh, Too Cool, Brian Christopher, and Scott Taylor against mm-hmm. Christopher Daniels and your boy Mike Anderson. And that match was amazing. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's what's missing now is, is the shotgun velocity type show where right, right. they would do on air tryouts. Mm-hmm. where they would bring in the larger independent names to work with these guys. And, you know, that way you get a true good look in front of cameras and live live audiences. That's what's missing. And, you know, they've, they've even cut Heat. Heat is dead. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, there's yeah. just three shows and that's it. There isn't, you know, any more any more place for these, these kids to come on the air and show what they can do. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> You know, another thing, I, I, I believe that the young, the smaller promotions are, you know, I think I think people uh, are, it's not like it was, say, 10 years ago. If you weren't WWE, they didn't want nothing to do with you, you know. And uh, I think now they make it make it's a little bit easier for promotions such as uh, uh, AWS and EWF uh, and others, you know, to be able to promote in front of, uh, you know, a couple of hundred people, or uh, you know, and stuff. And uh, where it was so hard, so difficult years ago. When Vince took off, I'll tell you, in the 80s with uh, WWF, it, 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 it was just a WWF. If you weren't WWF, nobody wanted, wanted anything to do with you, you know. But well, I think that they're more open to uh, people. They, people want to see something different now. They're, they're, they're allowing themselves to, to, you know, to, to view other promotions if you know how to promote it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a name, and and I would like for you to to uh, to discuss it. Uh, Kurt Brown. Kurt Brown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Brown's a good man. Yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Any stories about Kurt? Kurt Brown, man. All I remember, uh, uh, he used to um, be a writer yeah, for different magazines. You know, he he sent pictures and write little stories and stuff and. And uh, I met him. He was doing a story on Colosso Colosetti. Was the first time that I actually, you know, uh, spoke with him. He was writing a story for uh, some wrestling magazine. I don't know if it was the Wrestler or whatever, whichever magazine it was. I don't remember. But um, and anyway, he needed an interpreter. That's where I came in. <laughs> yeah. And he was actually a luchador, which was funny. He would work, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, Lucha Independence down there and and a mm-hmm. bunch of other stuff. So and he was he was really good. I I don't know why he he stopped working. He was fun. Um, you know he wasn't a headliner, wasn't a main event, and he was a good solid opening match guy. Um, but, you know he, he he always had a lot of heart. You know and and, and brother that that's that, that that's what's missing. You know so have you noticed that that's what's missing? Well, that's what's missing on some of the talent nowadays. You know. Even the talent that you, some of the the, the the new guys that they bring into WWE, that that, that fire, the desire, and and the and the love for the business uh, is missing, and, and and you can see you can see that man, you can see that it's missing. You know they they sometimes they bring in these former football players or whatever you know, and 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 they're all businessmen. You know they want to make the money, but they, they and they're there because they're going to make money, not because they they not not because it's in their blood to be wrestlers. It's and now it's a, it's a money making thing for them, and that's what I think. That's what's missing. Bill Goldberg is a perfect example. Yeah, there you go. Perfect example. He came in wanting the money, um, mm-hmm. but you, you got to give it to them. The guy did work yeah. hard. 
you know, yeah, he did draw money. That, that he did. That he did. That that he did. Yeah, that he for well, sure. Obviously, you, you've got to be money if you're going to get Hogan to lay down in the middle for you clean. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I think he was just a victim of bad writing, and then he just yeah. uh, fell out of love, I guess. Yeah. And yeah. you know, he went to New York just because that was the only other place to go. Mm-hmm. So, but I I honestly think that he should have gotten the mixed martial arts as opposed to to pro wrestling. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he looked the part, didn't he? I mean, he's he's a tough son of a gun. You know, you look at him, and I mean, you know, <laughs> it's like a bulldozer. Yeah. No strong. stopping. Strong. Very strong. So, uh, what are your feelings on on MMA and the effect that it has on on the on the pro wrestling business, do you think that that it's taking away those pro wrestling dollars at all, or no? I, I don't personally. I don't think so. I think Vince is still making his money. Top promotions that, that are on TV are still doing okay. Uh, MMA is just separating it a little bit, you know. But I think there's a, there's enough money for everybody. There's enough fanfare for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, I, well, I, I know some I know some MMA fighters that are just you know. Uh, they want to take it to a certain level and then bail out and then jump into professional wrestling. That's their desire. I, I know a couple of guys like that. Well, you know, they Vince Vince's only direct competition now is UFC. Mm-hmm. Uh, TNA is not even close to TNA is on their own their own yeah. plane. They're out in left field, but Vince mm-hmm. has got to battle the UFC, and I don't think that it's a battle. Um, no. There's enough money for everybody, and you just got to be smart and not run pay-per-views on the same weekend. Right. You know, simple. That's, that's you know, I, I don't know about other people, but I have a budget for every weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and to be honest, nowadays I would buy a UFC pay-per-view over a WWE pay-per-view. Right. Just, you know, it's more interesting. The characters are are a lot more interesting as opposed, yeah. you know, they just catch my eye more than than what I'm seeing on TV as far as Vince's product. But I'm right. jaded, too. So, I mean, I'm jaded. I, I'm old school, and, you know, I, I'm really jaded. I, I wish I lived near San Bernardino so I could hit your shows. Um, uh, I'm very old school myself, and I think well, you know, everybody knows that. There you go. <laughs> it's, it's a throwback. School. You know, it really is. And, you know, you're, you're yeah. keeping, uh, keeping the old school alive, which... You, you know, nope. let me tell you, man. You, you, you remember uh, Rock uh, Riddle? Uh huh. Do you remember remember Rock Riddle? Oh yes, TV guy, definitely. Yeah, man, that guy. Let me tell you, he comes out to the school once in a while. Now he he's a top uh, businessman out in Hollywood. You know, I mean, this guy, he's got no business going back into wrestling. But the only reason that he, he does, that, you know, for 20 years he stayed away from the business, but he was unhappy, like he says. He was very unhappy. He he missed. Uh, the, the 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 wrestling. He missed uh, hanging around the wrestlers, hanging around in the, at least bumping in the ring a little bit. So he comes out to my school every once in a while now for the last maybe year or so. And, and let me tell you, when I watch him, I, I have purpose. I tell my guys, hey, get in there and do a five minute match with Rock. And I mean, I'm sitting at the edge of the seat because Rock reminds me why I got into wrestling because I used to watch guys like Rock with their facial expressions, the the way they move their body. I mean, that was the reason that, that I fell in love with wrestling. 
I, you know, if I was a, if I was young and coming in, you know, or if I was if I had not been exposed to wrestling and then I trust, I'm being exposed for the first time right now, I don't think I would be it would be that exciting to for me to get in. But I, watching guys like like Rock back then or or other guys like you know, John Tolos and those guys, well, just just watching the facials and everything, man, what a turn on that is as far as you know. Uh, but that, that's what got me in, in the business, you know, watching guys like that. And, and I use Rock as an example every time he's around. I said, Rock, you got to do a match with this guy. And, he, you know, and, 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 and believe me, Rock is not the greatest wrestler in the world, you know. Uh, he may – there's a lot of things that he cannot do, especially because of his age or whatever. But one thing he can do, he can keep you watching him, you know. You want nothing more than to just keep watching him, every single move that he makes. Well, there there aren't real characters now. Mm-hmm. You know, you believed that Freddie Blassie was going to try to chew off John Tolos's head yeah. in the Olympic. Well, there aren't guys like that. He made you believe that. There aren't. You don't believe. You, I don't. I get the feeling that these guys on Mondays are playing wrestling. Mm-hmm. They're out there playing a role. There aren't. There aren't people that are real, and right. that's what's that's what made Austin so fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Steve. Turned right. up a little bit, but that was Steve. For sure. I mean, what guy does not want to go drink a beer and punch his boss in the mouth? That's right. <laughs> really? Everybody would want to do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're missing are, are real guys. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. oh, another text message. <laughs> it's better your phone than mine. I just hung it up. Yeah, they'll just have to call me back later. If they want to give you money, they'll call you back. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, luckily their number comes up, so I'll call them back. <laughs> <laughs> Anything can happen here live on the radio. Yes, sir. 11.30 in the morning. Got me up early today, boss. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <laughs> is there any... Any talent? I, I know you receive tapes and, and DVDs left and right of guys that want to come to work for you. Um, yeah. Is there is there anybody out there? You don't even have to name. Are there, is, have you gotten any footage of someone like you just said, hey, I have to bring this guy in? Mm, I haven't in quite a while. You know, not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. I think I, I get a lot of footage of guys that are, you know, you know, that are trying hard, you know, to get into the business and uh, and um, and it's. Yeah, but they they still need some work, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I I even got it somewhere in my in my closet. I got an old uh, Chris Jericho tape, you know, when he was looking for work. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, hey, how how valuable that how valuable will that be? <laughs> if it's got the Bay Area wrestling stuff on it. It is definitely no, worth a lot of this, money to me. This, yeah, this I got this before he went into Bay Area. Oh, jeez. Gave it to me during Bay Area, but he didn't have any of the Bay Area stuff on it. Uh, it just uh, had some stuff from uh, Calgary. Wow. Uh, well, I brought up Bay Area Wrestling. Um, I know you know Woody Farmer. Oh, yeah. Woody. Good man. Any uh, any good Woody Farmer stories? Yeah, man. I, I, actually, I just told one the other day, man. I just told one. We were t- I was explaining to some of the boys about, you know, uh, Carney, the language and everything, you know. And I said, oh, you got to hear this story about Woody Farmer, you know. Uh, Woody had the... Uh, had a, he hired a secretary to help him in his uh, office there, in his wrestling promotion and school and everything. And uh, and evidently, he, him and another wrestler went out 
and they took her with them. To, they, they were going to go buy something for the office. I don't know what, what it was, but they went out to buy. And she was, like, walking in front of him, in front of them. And um, and the other guy, in Carney, who told Woody, you know, oh, man, this, this girl, she, she's, uh, she's nice, you know, <laughs> and stuff, you know. And uh, she's nice looking and stuff. And then Woody made a comment back, so they were going back and forth and everything. Well, they didn't realize that she 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 was from the carnival back. She had a carnival background, and she knew carnival. And they were the, they were totally embarrassed, man. When she turned around and started talking carny to them, it's like their jaws hit the ground, slapped them upside the forehead, man. That's you imagine? Imagine? Oh, oh my god, that, that's one of my best Woody Harbor stories. Man, Woody's a good guy and. You know, his kid Shane Cody is still going. Mm-hmm. Um, and also his grandson is in the business now. So, really? Um, oh. Yeah. yeah, they're still going. Great. Uh, working for great. big time, big time, pro, big time wrestling up here, Kirk White. Uh, right. They're still uh-huh. going. Um, mm-hmm. Trucking along every couple months. Yeah. Um, I have to put Kirk White over. He's, you know, he's yeah. still in business, still doing it uh-huh. at a top level. You know, he's, right. he's still drawing his 400 people. Right. That's um, great. <clears throat> So uh, let me see. Let's run up. Well, you are familiar with California Barry, guys. So uh, an enhancement town. How about the man who trained my favorite wrestler, Michael Modest, the first time, Jerry Monty? Oh, Jerry, man. Jerry and I, we go well. You know, we go back to the early WWF days. Uh, uh, I used to um, working for Mike LaBelle. I was the only employee. Believe believe it or not, I was the only employee. Uh, after he closed down his uh, office, well, he didn't close down the office. He kept it open, but when when he sold out to Vince McMahon to uh, WWF at the time, I was the only employee. I, I used to get laid off from this job that I used to have. That he knew that, so he got rid of all his office help, and 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 put me, you know, just just where I where I will go in to, to Mike's office at least once a once a week, and he paid me a hundred dollars just to do errands for him, and you know, and then then do paperwork for the for New Japan. Uh, for the wrestlers that used to go to New Japan, and then, um, and then I he will he will leave it up to me as to how um, how to put the matches together, the the preliminary matches that WWF needed when they came out to California, believe it or not. And uh, Jerry was one of the boys that we he, he was on that list. And you know, this is one of the guys we used: Jerry Monty, uh, Black Gorman, uh, uh, Billy Anderson, the Steve Pardee, and, and then other guys. Murdoff, Alexis Murdoff was another one. They were all in my list, and you know, and I would just make up my own matches, man. <laughs> you know, Monty was solid. Yeah, he was solid. He was really, really good. And the the, the knock on him was that he was just a bit short. Other mm-hmm. than that, that yeah. guy was so good. I, I saw him out here, you know, for uh, Shires, and he was exceptional. Yeah, so good in the ring. Just he was an opening match guy. You go, you know, you'd go out, you'd get your solid ten minutes to get the crowd, you know, buzzing. And he knew his place, he knew his right. role. That's what I respected about Jerry. He never pushed. Oh, I should be a main eventer. I'm on TV. No, no. Jerry was humble. Very humble guy. Very humble guy, man. Absolutely. Oh man, he was solid. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, you mentioned Steve Pardee. It's a name I haven't heard for a while. Yeah, <laughs> Steve Pardee. Yep. Jeez, I'm showing my age, kids. Showing yeah, my age. Yeah, bring the butt back to temper for you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Let's see, who else was, uh, who else, uh, how about Ed Moretti? 
That's that's a good name. Moretti, man, uh, he's up uh, he's up in Northern California still. Yeah, he's um, up there in Clear Lake. Yeah, it's been years since I've uh, well, I actually a few years I think I communicated with him through uh, email and stuff. Uh, yeah, but other than that, I haven't seen him in years. It's been a, quite a while. We're trying to get we're trying to get Eddie on the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's my time. Yeah. Um, should I do the show to get? You know, younger kids on, but also I, I have my own selfish reasons, you know, to have right. have the old timers on too. Um, this is a shoot. Um, my father passed away when my son was in the womb, and when I was a kid, I went to Shires. I went to San Francisco Wrestling with my dad, and we always watched TV Channel 40 every week. And now that he's passed on, I want to get these interviews in the can. So when my son's older, that he could hear the stories and and all this fun stuff about what yeah. what Grandpa and myself saw back in the day, and yes, yeah. it's my own selfish reasons, yeah. but it's also you know sharing the stories because through time, um, Native Americans and, and whatnot, that's how they passed on their 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 legacy by telling stories, yeah. and and I believe that yeah, you know true. the younger kids should hear the stuff. It's important. Yeah. And the younger guys, the younger wrestlers coming into the business, they should be listening to some of the old timers, you know, tell it like it is and stuff, and learn from it. You know, exactly. They're not going to learn. They're not going to learn if you keep having the younger guys on. You know, that they have no idea uh, uh, what the business is about. I mean, what can you learn from that? You know. But if you have the, the older guys uh, that can share their stories and their experiences, and then you learn from them. And we, you know, you you learn by their mistakes, and you learn by their, you know. Their actions altogether, mm-hmm. because we all make mistakes and we learn from mistakes and stuff. And uh, and like I like I tell my guys when I tell them something, and I'm telling you because you know I made that mistake myself. You know, so now you have to correct it. You you have you know I'm I'm here to correct that. You know, so you don't make that same mistake. You know, uh, down the road. Exactly. Well, now the, the the kids breaking in the business, they need to learn both what happened in the past, what's current, and what possibly could happen in the future. Because it is a cyclical, it is a cyclical uh, business yeah. where it yeah. will come back around. It yeah. will come back back around. We're really close to the territories popping up again. And you of all people mm-hmm. have your yeah. foot right there. You're in bed with Dave Marquez. That's that's no secret yeah. to anybody. Marquez yeah. is really close. Yeah. He is yeah. really really close. And Absolutely. I, you know, I am ready. I have my foot ready to jump on that bandwagon for that third company. I am go, ready. Man. And you know, he, 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 I'll tell you, Marquez works hard, very hard, you know, in in, in what he's doing, and, and and I'm just, you know, so afraid of his health, you know, uh, because he, I'll tell you, you know, he's he's had some close calls there, you know, and uh, but he works hard, he works hard. I would say probably, I'll go out on a limb. I would say probably second to you as the hardest working man on the West Coast. Wow, well, that's a compliment. And, Thank you. You know, and you guys are keeping this this. The hell with the business, this sport alive. It's still a sport yeah. for me. Worked or not, right. it's still a sport. You're still right. the, the best athletes in the world. You go out and you do this shit 200 days a year, you, they're still the best athletes in the world. Yeah. And it, it bothers me when I when I see young kids disrespect the business. Well, um, I know. It bothers me too, believe me. <laughs> I Okay, I, I don't think that kayfabe will come back. No. Okay, but I still think there should be a heel locker room. There should still be a babyface locker room. Right. Heels should ride with the heels. At least don't insult people. 
Yeah, because it is an insult. I mean, you know, it is an insult if you're traveling together, you know, and they, they see you hang around or, you know, and let me tell you, nothing is worse, you know, nothing is worse if you're a wrestler hanging around while there's another match going on in the ring and, and trying to sit down with the fans. I mean, then you become, you 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 lower yourself to their level, you know, as a fan, then all of a sudden you might as well be a fan. And, 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 then, and then if there are people that really like your character or whatever, instead of watching the match, they're watching you. Those are things that you never, as a wrestler, ever want to do. You stay in the dressing room. Stay in that dressing room and nobody should see you. I, I, you know, I remember when, when I was a fan, I mean, the only time you saw a wrestler outside that, wrestler, that dressing room is if you hung out, around outside until it was time for him to leave, you know, and then you chase him down and, uh, while he's getting his car or something, you know. But you never, you know, you never saw him uh, going out to the counter to buy a, a beer or a Coke or whatever. You, you, those guys stayed in the dressing room. They knew their place. Yeah. That's what made it so unique. The only exception to that rule is if there were a pull-apart, a schmoz in the ring. That's the yeah. exception. Oh, exactly. Well, of course, yeah. But I'm You're going to pull people you know, apart, but, you know, other yeah. than that. Yeah, just to come know. out and, and mingle, the, you know, uh, well, there's a match in the ring, you know. Nah, man. Like a, a perfect example, in baseball, you have a starting pitcher. He pitches six innings, then he leaves mm-hmm. the game. He doesn't go take a shower and go sit in the front row to watch the ball game. No, <laughs> that's true. Ever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, it's it's disrespectful. First off, you're insulting the fans' intelligence yeah. because they're the one that's paying you. Right. Okay? Second off, you're, you're disrespecting the business, which, mm-hmm. you know, if it wasn't for the word pro wrestling, you would not be in that high school gym right now. Right. And you're right. insulting the – I don't like using the term old-timers. You know, but the the veterans, shall we say, yeah. insult yeah. what they built by the driving guy, in those cars back in the day, keeping the, separate. The guys that, that paved the road for everybody. Else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And you know, a lot of kids are out of touch now. They they they're really out of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, the business has changed so much, but you know what though? It's gonna come back. It's got to come back. Right. You know, one way or the other, it's got to come back, and you know it will. Oh yeah. Oh, we, we we've got the stalwarts. We've got you, your, yourself, Mr. Marquez. Um, you know there 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 are other people all over the country keeping it alive. Um, oh, yeah. Let me uh, let me bring up a name for you who's keeping it alive in Seattle by training kids, Mr. Buddy Wayne. Do you have a Buddy Wayne story for me? Buddy Buddy Buddy, Buddy Wayne. Buddy Wayne. Yeah, short little Buddy guy Wayne. from uh, Seattle. Buddy Wayne. <clears throat> wow, that, I haven't heard that name in years, but yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, he came out and worked for Mike LaBelle. Buddy Wayne was a, was an awesome wrestler, man, for for a small guy. Yeah, uh, very good, excellent. He's uh, uh, uh he's married he, to uh, he's married to Ed Moretti's niece. Right. Oh wow, I didn't so, that I didn't know. It's kind of funny how how you know everybody's connected one way or the other. Right. Um, uh, did, did he ever move to Tennessee? I thought he was up in Tennessee there for a while. No, no, no. That's that's the original Buddy Wayne. Oh, it's another one. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's, that's the one. I, the one from Tennessee is the one that uh, that I was most familiar with. Uh, yeah, that's that's Ken Wayne. Ken Wayne's yeah. dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. This yeah. guy broke in in '86 mm-hmm. for Tomco uh-huh. up in uh-huh. Vancouver, and he he's done a lot of uh, TV stuff events and right. some uh, stuff for Atlanta too. Um, right. Well, speaking of family trees, um, I just watched the shoot interview with the Black Pearl, uh, mm-hmm. Reno, and right. 
he put together all the different pieces of the Samoan family. Uh-huh. Um, what 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 are your dealings with the um, the Wild Samoan clan? Have have you ever you know ran into them or, or well, well you know the the Wild Samoans? I mean, uh, actually, believe it or not, I worked on that movie with uh, Roddy Piper. Uh, what was it, Body Slam? Yeah, and uh, and Tonga Kid. Uh, Tonga Kid, believe it or not, was uh, who was you know he was one of the main characters on the movie, and but when it came time, when believe it or not, I, and I I don't know how it happened this way, but then all of a sudden you know because I was working so close to the people you know from the, you know the the, the directors and, and producers and stuff like that you know, uh, I I was in charge of hiring the local wrestlers for the movie and stuff, and um, and I they had to I I wound up having to get the, the Afa and Sika. For them, for the movie, for the part, for their part in the movie, and I thought mm. to myself, man, here this this guy, Tonga kid, that's their uncle or whatever, you know, <laughs> those are his uncles. I, you know, why, why are they coming to me with this, you know? Uh, I, I never understood that, but yeah, that, I, I brought him in for that movie. We worked, of course, we worked uh, in the WWF uh, together, and I even got to wrestle them uh, once or so. I think once or twice I got to wrestle them also, and uh, for television. They're scary looking dudes. Yeah, but eating the fish and stuff, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, those, those, those are great wrestlers. Those were great wrestlers, brothers. Alpha yeah. and Sika, man. You know, they 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 were they were just amazing, and they they lived their gimmick. They lived their gimmick. Mm-hmm. Even the, the 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 younger generation of the Samoans, um, mm-hmm. Black Pearl, Reno, um, Rikishi, uh, Tonga mm-hmm. Kid. Um, I've worked closely with these guys and, and have spent some time with them, and uh-huh. they're they are so humble and they have yeah. the love of the business and they yeah. they understand they don't have blinders on, you know right. they don't see just Vince because these guys are drawing hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars in Europe. Europe has yeah. blown up. Amazing. You know, you're right. But uh, another thing of the Samoan people, they're the friendliest people. When you when you meet a Samoan, it's like. Almost like you've known them all your life. The, the way they be, they, that's what I liked about Reno. I mean, you know, Reno used to come out to my school and, and train on Saturdays with me and stuff. You know, after he left uh, yeah, the, his uh, uncle's school, and when he came into California, he came straight over to our school and, and he hung around with us and stuff. I mean, most respectable guy that you can ever meet. I mean, but all all Samoans are humble individuals. They're very nice people. Uh, you know, well, you, uh, you have to do them wrong. Yeah. You know, to get on their bad side, you have to do them wrong. They're very oh, absolutely. Yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah. You, you definitely, you don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, you don't th- want to piss off a Samoan, bro. Especially <laughs> <Yeah>. Olaf <laughs> the Samoan tank. This guy's a good 500 pounds. I mean, I sat and I talked with him in in March, and he just he's really scary, just yeah. scary. But he nice, mellow voice, and I'm yeah. okay. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, the, the what you know, I got my school now at the American Sports University, and the director, you know, uh, uh, his name is Tony. He's Samoan, also great guy, you know, great personality, uh, man, real down to earth type of guy. But there again, you know, you don't want to piss a guy like that off, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's, he's into MMA and all that good stuff, you know. <laughs> don't want to upset him. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, did you get a chance to watch WrestleMania and the Raw right after? You know what? Truthfully, I didn't have a chance to. I, I, that day, I was so busy running around putting up flyers for my 
upcoming events at the time, and I, you know, never really got around to it. No, I didn't. Did you hear about the send-off that they gave Ric Flair on Raw? I heard about it, man. It, it brought a lot of tears to everybody's eyes. I heard it was beautiful, man. It was beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Well, what a legend that man is, huh? You know, Austin drew what money he drew. Hogan mm-hmm. drew what he drew. But no one drew the money that Flair did, and on a consistent right. basis, consistently um, all throughout all, all over the Korea. world. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Flair would go to Puerto Rico, Singapore, Australia, uh, Japan, Mexico, even, um, mm-hmm. and he would, you know, he would just draw money, and that was it. Yeah. And and he he was good for the business because he would go in, he'd go an hour with the top star. And they he would leave, but the guy would still be over. Right. He would still draw money, and that's, that's right. that. Ric Flair deserves that respect, and I say by he drew the most money ever in this business was not him directly, where he yeah. would go in, pop a house, go uh, go an hour with this guy, and then this guy would go three to six months later, longer mm-hmm. as a top worker, and that. You know the residual effects of Flair coming in would you know would would build this guy and they'd make so much money and yeah. to, to be you know people say oh Flair had the same match so whatever Flair did what he had to do that he did that he you did. know he put an ass every sixteen inches and that's what's the name of the game and, and you know what there's another man that you know that believes his gimmick you know and he dressed uh, to impress and. And and guys like like you know and I, that's one of the first lessons that I learned you know from my trainer guy the great Goliath you know as a wrestler you dress nice you know you you don't show up at, a, at an arena you know dressed in Levi's and a T-shirt you know uh, I mean when he used to set us up to Tijuana to wrestle I mean we had to dress up you know with nice slacks and you know nice shirt uh, maybe a sports coat or, or whatever and. Uh, and he he won't uh, he he won't put up with us wearing Levi's or a T-shirt. One time, my my partner made the mistake of wearing that, and Goliath wasn't with us at the time. I came back and snitched on him. <laughs> I said, "Hefe, you should have seen Juan." <laughs> what, 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 what do you what do you do? I said he wore Levi's and some damn T-shirt, and he got <laughs> gave him a knuckle. He got a, got his knuckle and hit him upside the head for doing that. He said, "Don't ever do that." You know. I mean, a promoter. Blair, Blair was a professional. You. And yeah. to, to talk the kind of shit that he did on promos, mm-hmm. he had to back it up. Yeah. He had to. And call it living the gimmick, call it whatever. Whatever, yeah. He was a true professional. 24 I mean, hours a day. But, you know, Casey, if you're a promoter, man, okay, and, and say that you don't pay well, you know, you, you may pay the guys, you know, just the very minimum, they, whatever, you, you know, depending on, on the type of venue you have, you know, you're lucky to pay the guys 20, 25 bucks, let's say, okay? Now, but you have two guys that you've never met before, okay? Now, one guy comes in wearing a suit, okay? And then the other guy comes in wearing a, a Levi's and a shirt and a torn shirt. How much are you going to pay the guy wearing the the, the, the torn shirt and then Levi's? How much are you going to pay him if your normal pay is let's say twenty five thirty dollars? What are you going to pay him compared the low end, to? Of course. What are you going to pay the guy wearing the suit? You know, hell, if I'm that used to spending more than you know than a certain amount, I will still give him the other the guy wearing a suit a little bit, maybe an extra ten dollars more. You know, just for looking impressive like that, man. I would okay. watch the guy in the suit. Closer as opposed yeah. to the guy in the jeans in the ring. I would watch that's, him. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 
and I would do that guy that uh, the wearing the Levi's and the shirt, the T-shirt, the torn T-shirt. I would do that ten dollars just to give it to the other guy. That's a shoot for all those guys who want to be promoters. You're learning properly. Uh, next week we'll have Roland Alexander on to uh, show you how to really screw the boys out of a payday. But <laughs> watch Beyond the Mat if you want to know that. But I, I had to throw that one out. <laughs> but, but I, I have to agree. I mean, yeah, Flair was Flair 25 hours out of the day. And That's I've right. closed. Yeah. I've personally closed a few bars with Flair myself. And, uh, you know, they right. say he gets gets up on the up on the bar stool in his underwear or naked. That's a shoot. Uh, that is, is a shoot. And you know what though? That's part of the Flair mystique. Yeah. And yeah. there will never be another type of character in and out of the ring like Ric Flair. It, it just won't happen. And. Oh. It was the passing of the guard, and, and it was the, the end of an era for, for those of us, that's you know. That's for sure, brother. That's for sure. You know, that, that's what that's what made me cry at that Raw, while watching that Raw, was that that yep. was it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my my era's done, and it's going to be my son's era now. And that was... There you go. You know, the, but, you know, Flair's got to move on to do whatever he's got to do, but exactly. there's still... There's still DVDs, and there's one coming out in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, no, I'm sure you know. he'll see some way or another. He's still going to be involved in the business one way or another. You know, he'll be uh, back on TV. Yep. You know, it's very hard. This business is very hard to leave. I don't you think become, he's. You become addicted to it. I don't think that he's going to step in the ring. No, no, no. But I'm sure that you know that he, he'll always have a an open spot there as a you know who knows as an agent or whatever you know down the road you know. I've well, he'll be back there's, on TV. There's an old, you know, there's an old saying, that, uh, and I learned it at, at a, one of my first uh, Cauliflower Alley Club uh, banquets that I went to, you know. I learned this from an old-timer. I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Bill Daly. I don't know if that's even the name. I don't remember. Uh, anyway, he came up to me, and he, we were talking and stuff. You know one thing about the hard business, man? You take care of our, You take care of wrestling, and wrestling will eventually take care of you. And how right he was. Mm. Yeah, and it's the truth. You take care of this business, and eventually the business will take care of you. That's I use that with my students. I tell them, I tell them all, all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, things come back. You know, it, it, you you, no matter what business you're in, you need to give back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know what what made you? You know, you have to give back. And uh, right. in, in, in anything, any sport, sure. any any you know, teaching even. You know, uh, you're 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 a, a rocket scientist. Then you retire and you decide, okay, I'm going to go teach at a college. I'm going to teach rocket science. It's the right. same thing. You 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 have to respect what got you to the dance, and That's you right. need to share, you know, with everybody. And yeah, <clears throat> and give back. I I don't think that it's it's being given back as much as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's got to do with with the attitude of the younger younger generation. Right. Well, I think the younger generation really don't follow the history of the business. And and I'm not going to say that they all are that way. I'm saying a few. A few are that way. They, they, they don't understand. They don't even know what the inside or underneath the ring looks like, some of these guys. There you go. There you, you go. Know? And they, they don't respect the history. They don't respect, you know, uh, you introduce them to somebody like uh, perhaps, you know, a uh, 
gosh, anybody, let's say, and they have no idea who that person is. They have no idea. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. And, you know, I also I I blame the companies as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 90s, um, WCW and WWE, or F, whichever, they could have respected their past and mm-hmm. did, you know, a, a small segment on each of their shows, you right. know, uh, back in the day or whatever. Right. Um, it's not like they didn't have the footage. Yeah. yeah. You know, because now the kids that are coming up, they're coming from the Nitro era. That's right. You know, 94, 95, 96, and they right. don't know. Yeah. They know they know of Ric Flair is this old over the hill guy who finally ended up at sixty. Mm-hmm. No, now no. They're, now they're showing those old uh, ESPN tapes <laughs> on ESPN. They, they, now they're uh, showing some of the old tapes and stuff. You know, so <laughs> we're making well, a little bit of a comeback, aren't we? <laughs> there you go. Well, you brought it up. You brought it up. Let's talk about how Ed Ed Wiskowski, Colonel De Beers, handed your ass on ESPN. Let's talk about uh, that match. That was I was. Uh, I will tell you a story about that because, you know, I, Colonel De Beers, I used to watch him beat the living crap out of all of the, the young guys. I mean, he treated them like crap, literally. And I had made up my mind, you know, if I ever wrestle this, this character and he tries to treat me like, like that, I will fight back. I don't care if I never work for this company ever again. But I'm not going to let anybody treat me that way, you know. I mean, these guys will come out black and blue, man, after a match with him. They, we totally... He would destroy them, you know. And uh, and I went into that ring with him, you know, finally I had my match with him. I went and we both locked up, locked up a little stiff. Then I felt him relax, and then I relaxed. And and we had a great match. I did not get hurt. He didn't hurt me at all, bro, let me tell you. It was freaking beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and, I, and this is at, at the showboat, so, you know, we... I, I, we didn't communicate because the dressing rooms were separated. We, they were on one corner of the building, and we were on the opposite corner, and there's just no communication whatsoever. So I wasn't able to talk to him until maybe a couple of years later. I ran into him in New York, and uh, we worked for the same promotion at the time. Herb Abrams? And, uh, Herb Abrams, yeah. We did a show for for Herb Abrams up there. And then after the show, we, uh, we went over to the, I don't know if it was the China Club or one of the uh, clubs out there, and I got to sit down with him, and I said, "Girl, brother, I gotta ask you something, man. <laughs> you remember that match that you and I had over in at the showboat?" And he remembered it, and I said, he said, "Yeah." He says, "I said, I want to know why, you know, you didn't really, you know, I mean, I, the way you treated everybody, you know, you really tore into them. But yet, you and I had a great match. You didn't hurt me, you know. It was just great. It, what, what was the reason? You know, what, what, what was the difference? The difference between me and them?" And he said, "The difference was," he says, "is that." When we locked up, we locked up. We came in strong. He says, "I relaxed." He says, "And then I felt you relax, okay?" And then I didn't have nothing to worry about. See, when I relax with all the other guys, they still stay stiff, and the last thing I want to do is hurt myself or <laughs> get hurt, you know. So I said, "I will beat the living crap out of them because I was afraid of getting hurt myself." And that's why he treated them the way they did because they didn't learn how to relax. <laughs> Makes, so that's make, a good thing there, the guys. That's a makes good all the sense. For everybody and, you know, to be honest, that was really good work in that match because it really looked like he was killing you. Really? No, no. He was, man, I'm telling you, I was one delighted individual. <laughs> but he was but, his face, I mean, I'm telling you, man, I will see guys come out with their chest, like, with a handprint, you know, red, almost like blood coming out of them. 
slaps to the face and everything else. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, no, no, but, I was one happy camper with that man. What what told the story was his face, his his facial expressions uh-huh. looked like I hate this Mexican. I'm gonna stomp the shit out of him. Exactly. But that was his face. That's what's missing, brother, nowadays. You know, the exactly. guys, have those, they don't have that. They don't have that. <clears throat> exactly. Well, guys guys think that, you know, that, that wrestling is the body. It's not mm-hmm. the body. No, you have your no, arms, no. hands, feet, face. Yeah. Even even you can vocalize. Yeah. You know? Oh, you got to uh, think with your, with your body, you know. Did, did you ever know the story that uh, Vince's father, you know, uh, uh, uh uh, he will not hire masked wrestlers for when it was WWF, you know. And if you if you were a masked wrestler going into New York, you would have to wrestle with uh without a mask. Or if you if you have wore a mask, it'd be kind of like a Rome Ranger type of mask, mm-hmm. you know. You had to show your face so that you could so that people could could see you selling. And and he allowed the only one that he allowed to wear a mask uh, in that promotion was uh I believe it was uh Min Mascaras. Because Mascaras, even though you couldn't see his face, you could see his, his neck muscles just, you know, ready to explode, you know. Because he, everything that he did, he did it with his body, you know. He communicated very well. You know, he still does communicate very well with his body. And that that was something a lot of the guys, you know, some of the guys that wore masks couldn't do. Well, uh, let's see. The masked superstar comes to mind. He was really, really good physically mm-hmm. um, selling. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than his face, uh, another one would be uh, the spoiler, Don Jardine. Spoiler, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. man, you know mm-hmm. these guys could tell stories Absolutely. without you know showing their face. And mm-hmm. and I try to friends of mine that are breaking in, I try to tell them, hey man, yeah. use all the tools that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. God gave you all of these things. Right. You know, it's right. not just how big your arms are, not how big mm-hmm. your legs are. I mean, geez, look at William Regal. He yeah. is brilliant. He is That's brilliant. Yeah. And he does yeah. nothing but chain wrestle. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know? He is yeah. top flight entertainment. But, but you, if you know how to grab an arm bar, you know, and just work that, you know, with your facials and then your body and how you hate this guy and then hit him once, twice, you know, and then grab him by the face, you know. But at the same time, your 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 facials gotta be like you said. You got it's like you hate the son of a bitch, and like you hate him. You gotta show that, mm-hmm. yeah, because the fans sitting inside or even in front of the TV, they will notice it. That's yeah. because say you and I are walking down the street and you trip me. I get up, I turn around to lift my fist and I growl. Obviously, you're gonna know I'm pissed off at you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, human psychology, let alone wrestling psychology. Yeah, I mean, if I'm hitting someone, I'm gonna have a scowl on my face just That's because right. I'm angry. Exactly, you gotta show that anger. Exactly, show that fire. That yeah, fire. That fire, and it's got it's, um, a lot of it comes from within you. It's gotta, it's inside of you, and it's gotta come out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the hatred and everything else, that, you know. Uh, that, that, yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, that's again back. That's that's you know natural. That's people. That's that mm-hmm. human element. Bookers should just tell you, hey, this guy's going over. This is your finish. Yeah. This is where we want to be in six months. Get there. That's all it should be. That's I don't. I cannot stand paint by numbers matches. 
It's not yeah. real to me. That's yeah. not the art form that I fell in love with. And I know it upsets you too when you see guys talking in the back for two and a half hours for a five-minute match. Oh, <laughs> I know it, brother. Let's <laughs> not bury anybody specific, but we don't need no, to. No, no, but there's but, people that will do that, you know. You know, and I even tell my guys, okay, get together, work out a little match, you know. You're going to do a five-minute match, but don't take don't take 10 minutes or 15 minutes trying to talk over a five-minute match. <laughs> there you go. I mean, <laughs> the moves, everybody knows the moves. That's yeah. a given. It's You just need yeah. your finish and, and figure out, you know, you get your heat, your shine, and go home. That's yeah. it. That's all you need to know. And, yeah. that, again, that's where the separate dressing rooms should come in. Where yeah, the guys should be what? able to. Let me tell you, these guys have planned so much. They 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 plan, you know, everything from beginning to end. You can't do that, bro, because you know, if you go into a building and you you know, in other words, you're a third matchup, and and it all depends how the last match ended, you know, or what went on in that last match. Is it, you got to feel the the electricity. You got to feel the people as you walk out that curtain. You got to feel the people where they're at, you know, and the and 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 so then everything that you planned on. You can might you might as well throw it out the window because you don't need it all all of a sudden, you know. All you need is just a little bit of what you planned on, and the rest you can just start from scratch, man. Because you need to, you need to. And a lot of people don't don't know how to do that. Exactly. Well, that's where you come in. Mm-hmm. So you're yeah. you're you're training guys properly, but right. uh, Jess, we are out of time. We've gone an hour and six minutes. Um, first off, I would like like to thank you for letting me sit underneath your learning tree. It's oh, always a pleasure you. to speak pleasure. with you. Um, EmpireWrestlingFederation.com. Uh, are you running pretty much every weekend now? or? Uh, pretty much. I mean, you know, I mean, I did take a, I'm taking a next week. I just coming. Well, no, actually, believe it or not, I, I got to work this morning, and um, I didn't have anything for this week uh, until the 13th. I have a show on the 13th. And uh, another one on the 20th. I got COVID on the 13th and uh, La Puente. We're starting out in La Puente on the, on the 20th of uh, June. But coming into work today, my boss tells me, hey, we're doing a, uh, an Operation Phoenix, uh, 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 what is it, a street fair on Thursday. Are, are you able to, uh, would you be able to bring in the wrestling on a short notice? I said, well, let me give it a shot. <laughs> so now i got to round up some guys for, for, for this Thursday. It's, uh, it's an event that's... Uh, that's uh, here at the city, you know, it's a it's a community event. What they do, they block off a couple of blocks and 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 they allow the 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 people that live in those houses, apartments, or whatever to come out and and they feed them, they entertain them, and and that way they get to everybody gets to know each other, and uh, it's a good way for the city to um, spread a, spread a little love. I guess. <laughs> awesome. Well, Jeff, mm-hmm. thanks for your time, brother. It was my pleasure. It's always fun walking down memory lane with you. Uh, we'll have to have you on again. Um, Thank you. I'd love to do it. Uh, let's see. EmpireWrestlingFederation.com, I think, would be the best best way to get a hold of you and, and hit you in your school. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Once again, boss, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. It was my pleasure, and we'll have you on again. Thank you, sir, and uh, I hope everybody has a good day. All right. Take it easy, Jeff. Bye. All righty. Wow. We were just sitting under the, le- the learning tree for Mr. Jesse Hernandez, the owner and operator of the Empire Wrestling Federation. Oh, wow. I'm blown up. Halfway through, I have on the phone Mr. 420 himself, <laughs> Sally Sack. Southwest well, Sally. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's going on? Oh, man. Jesse's blowing me up with the old school. You need, you need to take a little breather, buddy? 
No, no, I'm actually going to breathe something in. But the apron? Anyway. <laughs> we have no wellness policy, so <laughs> I, I have to ask, how's the back, brother? How you doing? How's the, I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Could you repeat that? How's the body? Oh, I'm doing actually, I'm doing pretty good. I've actually, I've had, uh, I haven't worked since March of this year. I took some time off courtesy to my brother, so, uh. I'm actually feeling really good. I haven't felt this healthy in quite some time, so I'm looking forward to uh, getting clearance to come back from my rehab specialist. So, looking pretty good. How about you? Oh, man. Uh, my cardio. I need to work on it. Yeah. The fucking old-timer, Jesse Hernandez, running circles around me, man. I, You know, he wipes me out. I'm telling you, man, you got to join the 420. It's a lot easier that way. Of course. Well, give me a second. Let me get outside, and then... There you go. <laughs> How's Jesse doing, man? I haven't, I haven't seen or heard of him in years. I mean, then again, I haven't been on the West Coast, but he's always a really nice. He's uh, running shows pretty much every weekend, and they're double shots. Good for so, him, man. You know, he's making money. That's good you know? for him, man. Wow, especially in California. I mean, California was always like the dead state, you know, as far as wrestling goes. It was so hard to get anything going. To actually have some consistency. That's, hey, more power to you, man. That's really good. You know, he's running and he's got the school going and, you know, he's he's churning out guys left and right. You know, he's just doing his thing, man. You know, and he's doing it the right way. He's doing it old school. Flyers, um, you know, sponsors, all that good stuff. He's doing it the right way. And, you know, that's the perfect business model as far as not trying to be a higher end indie like say Ely Pro or or ROH that depends on DVD sales. Um, Jesse doesn't. He depends on the gate, um, and there's room for that. And it's uh, his company's different the way he runs shows where he gives guys 30 minutes um, to go out and work. He has like five or six matches, and they're you know they get about 25 minutes. And I've I've heard. Uh, his shows have been knocked by workers that go to the shows to watch that they're too long. Um, and it's kind of surprising because, what, you guys don't know how to go out there for 25 minutes and go? Well, I've often said that the biggest critics of wrestling is also the sports demographic, and that's the workers. So if, you're play, if you're playing to cater the workers, and, and me personally, you know, I, I would tend to agree. Like, I, I might not want to sit there for a 30-minute match of, of indie guys, you know. It's different watching a 30-minute match of, of, like, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, like that kind of stuff. That, that's totally different. But at the same time, if you're catering to me, A, you're not going to do well because I'm probably not going to leave the house. And two, you know, there's only about eight of us out there anyway. So, you know, I mean, they can complain all they want, but at the end of the day, they're not the demographic that they're supposed to be playing to anyway. So, True. It's true. Um, I've always liked Jesse, man. He's always been he's always been a SoCal guy that treated the guys right. He like when I was a trainer at Iron, he took a lot of our young guys and a lot of our students and he gave them a chance. Not too many promoters would be willing to do that and take a guy that has maybe two or three like you look at Joey Harder. Joey's one of the best working guys that we had at Iron. And uh I think it was Jesse that really gave him that break and, and gave him the chance to come out because I think Joey maybe had maybe 10 or 12 matches by the time he started working for Jesse and nine of those matches were for PWI, you know, for, for the company he was broken into. So for Jesse to take a risk like that, I mean, it may not always be 
the favorite move of some people, but at the end of the day, it helps guys get in, it helps guys get experience. And if you if you run a weekly, you gotta be doing something right, you know. It's not just gonna happen weekly, you know. So uh, another guy that he plucked from up here was Hook Bomberry, which really upset me. That pissed me yeah. off. <laughs> no, really Hook 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 moved down to SoCal on, uh, of his own volition. I, I was I recall being there at the time, and uh, it was like a it was a his whole family was moving to SoCal, and family is is really vital to to Hook Bomber. I mean, it's a big part of his life. So I know he went down there, and it was just I was always happy for Hook was one of my favorite guys in the company because he was he's so quiet, and so when whenever he would say anything. It was so off the wall, and it would just really it would catch everybody off guard because it's this fucking quiet guy in the corner saying some really funny shit, you know. So uh, for him, I mean, I, I know Hook's still doing really good with PWG. He's still doing still doing a lot of work, and out of everybody at Iron, there's only four of us still working. You know, myself, Vito, Hook, Bomberry, and Sarah Del Rey. Everybody else is pretty much. I mean, I don't know what they're doing, but as far as wrestling, I, I know they're not doing that. So. I gotta tip my hat. Bison's still doing his thing in Noah. Yeah, but I never considered Bison. Bison was a guy that was like he was he was already a superstar before Iron ever started. Man, he was already he was like he he's an entity that you can't even compare. You know, Bison because Mike and Donovan don't work anymore. But Bison was a guy like I rarely saw Bison. He was always gone. He would do like six weeks in Puerto Rico. He'd come home for a day, and then he would go do six weeks in Japan. And that was literally his schedule. I mean, the guy would have one day off every, like, three months, something like that. So I never even considered him. He was so past our level, you know, to even to even consider him part of our company. Like, I'm not trying to be insulting. It would be a huge step down for him, you know. So Bison, I just, I would never even lump into that. He's he's the guy that was, like, I don't even know who to compare him to. He was, he was a guy that, like, you put him in the business on Monday, and on Wednesday he was a star, you know, he was just one of those guys. It was incredible. The natural, along 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 the lines of Vader, I would say. Yeah, I I know that Vader was a big part of his career too, especially when he got to Noah. Vader was a a, a big influence. Uh, both of them being from Colorado and everything, you know, I I know that he took to Vader quite a bit, and Vader saw how hungry Bison was and and uh, was eager to show him. Anytime Bison, like, you could tell, he's a guy who's 6'5", he's 300 pounds, he's solid muscle, but he could move like a guy my size, you know, a much smaller guy. And Bison was so smart. You know, he was very talented, and some a lot of that is God-given, but he was he studied the game. I don't think I ever watched a match of Bison that, that, that the rest of us put over, and he was just pissed off. Like, he hated it. He was his own big, biggest critic, and that's really why he's as successful as he is. The guy just really spent time learning the craft. Out of all the trainers at Iron, I, I would say that he was my favorite, just because he was, he was uh, I wasn't exactly the quickest guy to pick up on everything, and he was really patient. You know, He was really, really patient, and as I would get frustrated, he would be the guy that would calm me down, and no big deal, let's try it again, and we'd do it again, and finally when I would do whatever we were practicing when I would get it right, then he would beat me up and be like, now see, next time I told you, now he's going to punish me for all the fuck-ups, you know. But he at least waited till the end. Nice guy. <laughs> you know, uh, I think that Bison needs to take a little time off, um, get out of Japan, spend a little time stateside. Um, he is a world tag champ, or GHC tag champ now, and I think that he needs to drop the belts and take a little time off, let the Japanese fans, you know, simmer on him for a minute. 
and then go back because I think a program with him and Morishima for the for the JC title would be money. They would just kill each other. Would, yeah. And it, he's the know. only American guy right now that I believe gets six tours a year. He's he's the guy that gets top. He's the top guy in the top company in Japan. So you can't. I really wish he would fit a, a schedule in the states because he would blow anybody in the states out of the water. I, I don't care who you compare him to. He's a guy that that looks as big as Batista and can work like Chris Hero. You know, yeah. no, there's no denying the guy, but I I just think he's really happy with what he's got, and he's just he's cool with that. You know, I'm just I'm hoping that you know he just takes that little breather because so that they the the fans over there would start drooling for him and he'd come back and it's money. Oh yeah, totally, I want, totally. I want to see him and I want to see him and Joe just fucking butt heads. <laughs> Well, I want to see, and, and no disrespect to anybody that, 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 like, guys like Joe and things like that. I mean, they're, they're super talented, but, and I, I don't mean to be insulting when I say this, but Bison would mow through them. He is so talented, and it's completely untapped. You know, only the Japanese audience and the guys that follow the Japanese style wrestling really know of him. You know, you put him in a, in a he, you put him in TNA, he'll go toe-to-toe with anybody. You put him in WWE, he'll go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I don't mean that in the shoot sense. I mean that in, like, he can draw, he can work, he can fly, he can, he, can, he can do any style, and he can do it with anybody. He can plan it, he can do it on the fly. You know, he's the, he's the total package. I, I wish he would be stateside more often. He's, I don't know anybody in the business that would even come close to him. Hmm. All right. Well, seriously, who would, go, who, who would measure up? Yeah, exactly. Who would you put side-by-side side with him in, in a, a top-of-the-line program? Who Easy. Would, if he was in WWE, I'd knock Cena right out of the water, and I'd put him in Cena's spot, you know, and he, he would go up. I mean, he would have great matches against. Because size-wise, he's, he's just as big as Triple H, you know, mm-hmm. only he's, he's in his prime. He's a lot younger. He's a lot more athletic, and he's versatile. He can work. You know, he goes to Puerto Rico. He learns the lucha style. He, he works stateside. I mean, at least he used to. He knows the Japanese style. He, he's very versatile. You put him in that program, he'll work with anybody. If, if, I, if he were to go to TNA, I honestly, I don't think I'd put him against Joe. I'd team him up together. You're not, that, that's such an unstoppable force. You know, I would instantly turn them heel and team them up together and have them destroy everybody in the company. A Road Warrior type of tag team, maybe? Oh, yeah. A, a Road Warriors that can work, though. Road warriors that can work. Like you, these are two big guys that you could put. I mean, look at Samoa Joe. He's hand hand for hand right with Kurt Angle, and Kurt Angle's a fucking Olympic champion. You know, now you got another guy that's that size. <laughs> I mean, shit. It's like when Undertaker and Big Show were tag teams. Like, holy fuck, how do you stop these guys? You know. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, has has Bison gotten that big injury yet? Has he gotten hurt? You know, I I think he's been relatively fortunate in the sense that uh, he has he hasn't had a, a a major injury, but he's also he's I mean, what are we talking as far as major? You know, broken ankles, minor broken bones, things like that. He'll work right through it. You know, I've seen him do it. So it just blown depends knee, on what your blown knee, your idea. Disc, neck, you know, shit that you just can't function regularly during during the day, let alone work. Right, I, I don't think I've ever seen him with anything major, but he's a guy that really he, he spends a lot of time taking care of his body. He eats healthy, you know. He's limber. He he makes sure that he's not going to get something severe. But you know, at the same time, you know, you dislocate a shoulder or something, you tape it up, you keep going. Especially in Japan. I mean, especially in Japan. 
you know, I, I've heard of, like, he would tell me things of, like, when Vader, Vader was on tour when his dad passed away, and he didn't go to the funeral, you know, because in Japan, you finish your tour, and he had respect for the Japanese style, so that's what he did, you know, and I, and I think that really set the standard for a lot of guys. I mean, if you're going to, I mean, I probably would have went, you know, if my dad passed away, I probably would have went, but most injuries, I think those guys just, the, the mentality is tape it up, keep going, you know. No, he just amazing, and he, you know, he's a he's a conditioning freak too. Oh yeah. I mean, you you've seen him banging in the gym. You know, oh yeah. He's a conditioning freak. And he's oh yeah, absolutely. He's he's and, and he's I mean he's a tough motherfucker, you know. And I remember him telling me a story one time when he was, when he first started his run with Kobashi. It was like oh three, I think it was or some oh three or oh four, and Kobashi did the spinning back knife edge karate kick arm. Whatever the fuck he did. I don't know what it was called, but he, he would do it. He goes, man, we would lock up. He would break it. He'd spin, spin it and, and just knife edge me over the ear and knock me out. And we got 15 minutes to go. You know, and be like, I'd be like, what did you do? I just kept going. Like, I don't know what the fuck. What am I supposed to do? You know, <laughs> I just kept going. But it was just funny to me. It was like, that's the kind of guy he is. He would, within the first five seconds, he'd get knocked out. And it, the thought of just stopping never even occurred to him. He was like, all right, what, what's next? You know, let's just keep, let's finish this now. Now he's like amped to keep going, you know. It's crazy. I I don't even, I'm pretty sure that, that New York had interest, but I have never seen or heard of him getting a tryout. Or oh, he has. No, he's gone. I went like, he went twice in 04, I think he went once in 03. I just don't think he was, he didn't want to do it. I, I really don't see a guy like Mark coming to a, uh, a tryout and the, and the WWE saying no thank you. So if he's not there, I would think that it, either it wasn't an offer that he wanted or he just didn't want to go. You know, I mean, he's, uh, uh, he's like, I, I don't want to, again, I don't want to be insulting or anything, but he's like Brody in Japan. And Noah, man, he comes out and he's over. He's huge over. He has respected the office, you know. He has respected the boys. I just don't. I just don't think he would, you know. And at the same time, he's not on the road 300 days a year. If he wants to be, he can be. But I, I just don't know if he wants to be, you know. That's the cool uh, thing about I Bison. Think, I don't think that the New York style is is snug enough for him. I, I think he likes getting hit and enjoys it. And really, but I mean, there's guys that to aspire. But, I mean, he could, there's guys that do that, Bradshaw, Holly. You know, there's always guys that, that work that style that, that he would have been in the in the mix of. I've worked with Bison many times. He's one of the lightest guys that I've ever worked with, you know, when he wants to be. He, he's definitely a striker. But if he doesn't want to kill somebody, he doesn't have to. You know, he's a very, very good worker. I just think he likes the environment in, in Japan more because wrestling in Japan is still respected, you know, and in the state side. It's really not. I mean, it's geared more towards kids, and it's more merchandise and things like that. I just don't think he wants that. Yeah, and again, I could be wrong. You know, the best guy to ask is him. So. Well, you know, if if he would return a MySpace message from time to time, but. Um, I said, man, he works six <laughs> days in a row. You know, I I completely understand. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, when you're coming back from uh, from your injury, um, you're going to be coming back for Elite and IWA, or is it just uh, coming back for revenge on your brother? It's going to be it's going to be at both. Uh, right now, it's it's we're shooting for August, 
is what my uh, rehab specialists have said. That's what I can. I can't get clearance until they say that it's okay. I need I need written clearance, and especially with IWA, they won't take me without it. Um, but I mean, I, I've been on the phone every other week with Ian. You know, we've kept in good contact, and he's let me know what's going on, and I still have a spot in the company and everything. So I'm just more or less getting really antsy. I'm just kind of I'm bored. You know, I went I went like seven years straight without a break. It was my first time off, and it's like, all right, well, I've had enough. I'm ready to get back. You know, so it'll definitely be both. I already came back in Elite Pro. Um, I didn't. I didn't come back to wrestle. I just. I saw an opportunity to kind of run in there and and throw a couple potatoes at Vito, and so I took it. But technically, I'm not cleared yet. But Elite Pro is not under the same kind of uh, guidelines and restrictions that IWA is. IWA is a much larger company, so they have a lot of other people to answer to. So. I got away with it elite, but I'm still shooting for August-ish in that time frame for IWA. Um, how about the clowns? When are you boys going to work for the clowns again? Uh, my brothers went um, in April. I was supposed to me. It was supposed to be me and Vito on the tour, and then I got hurt, so Brandon took my place. Um, with the clowns, it's, everything's just kind of hit or miss, you know. You'll, you'll, they'll call you one day and it's a 30-day tour, and then the next day it's a seven-day tour. And I, I'm not faulting those guys at all. You know, they're just getting into the wrestling aspect. And like I spoke with Violent J, and he's very, he's a big fan of wrestling. You know, so he's very much into doing things properly. And he sometimes he jumps the gun and then realizes it, but he backs off. You know, and so I think he's really they're they're taking things rather slow because he wants to make sure that they do it properly. You know, he's got a lot of guys like like Scott Hall and uh, 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 just a lot of veterans in the company and uh, Scott Demore who's doing a lot of help behind the scenes. So he's got a lot of really smart guys in the company who are advising him as he goes, you know, and I just think they're just kind of taking their time with things right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their shows are really they're, – they're something different. They are a true alternative. <laughs> that's to say that, – that's putting it lightly. Absolutely. Yeah, right. That's good stuff. That's it's just fun, just fun, and uh, you know you, it, it's what it is. And you know it's like uh, like the XPW reunion a few weeks ago. Um, it's what it is. You know, exactly. You're not going to go out, go out Ex- and see a five star match. You're going to go out and you're going to see the clowns fuck around in the ring and have fun. But it is what it is, you know. And it's like I, I can remember like we did a match. I think it was in Detroit or something. And me, me and Vito were laying in the ring, and this is after we got hit by. It's amazing to me these these morons, the juggalos. They buy like they spend eight dollars on a mixed drink just to t- turn around and throw it at you, you know. And they're doing it all night. I don't know where the fuck they get all this money from, but it's funny that we were laying in the ring, and Vito got hit with. I got hit right in the chest with mustard, like a big packet of mustard. It went everywhere. Vito got hit in the forehead with a lighter and got actually busted open. And so we're laying there, and I just hear like pop, 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 pop. I hear this. I thought it was gunshots. You know, I turned around and somebody threw like a handful of firecrackers lit in the ring. I'm like, God damn, man, these people are fucking crazy. You know, it's just, that's the way it is the whole time. And it's like, I remember I came back to the locker room and the first guy to really start laughing and give me, a, and, and, you know, at my expense was Pondo, Madman Pondo, because I've known him for quite some time. He was, he was uh, right there with the ball busting as soon as we got back to the curtain, you know. <laughs> But it's always fun, back though. In the day. Like Puerto Rico back in the day, with the they'd sell the the, the bags of rocks. You know that's that's insane. 
Been my goal was to get as much shit thrown at us because we were heels, you know. I was like, I want, I want this ring full. And once I got out there and halfway through it, I was like, you know what? I, I, I think I have it full enough. I, I think I've had, I'm ready to go. Yeah, <laughs> it got kind of scary at some point there. Yeah, it's understandable. Uh, <clears throat> so, are there any plans for you boys to come out west again? Maybe a tour, something. I need to see you guys live, and I can't fly out to Chicago. Uh, we were actually supposed to do the DDT Tag Tournament for PWG. Yeah, we were supposed to be on that. I was actually going to come. I was already injured, but when the powers that be in the company called me and they asked if we would, if we were interested, I said absolutely. I was willing to to work injured because I think so highly of the company. Unfortunately, I don't exactly know what it is. The talks never went past that, so. It's it's it sucks because I was really looking forward to it, but um, oh well. What are you gonna do? You know. Next Maybe time. next time. I, I think I think I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be in California this summer, in July. I'm gonna go just come see Modest while I got some time off. I know Modest is working again, so uh, I'm actually gonna be there this summer. I think I'm gonna take in an SPW show. I won't be working, but I'll be there to hang out if you'd like to if you'd like to go. Of course. We will hook up definitely when you're out here. Most sure. definitely. For sure. <laughs> yeah, well, Have you yeah. seen or heard of anything of Modest as far as any of the work? Do you know where he's been working or anything? Uh, let me see. The last time I heard that he was working was in April. Um, April, first weekend in April. Um, I work alongside uh, Fog City Wrestling, which is in San Francisco. And uh-huh. I was at that show, and that night there were five shows in the Bay Area. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, is my scene dead? No. Not anymore. Wow. <laughs> Not anymore. And there were some awesome. guys like, uh, like uh, Chuby. Chuby worked double. Um, Chuby worked at a Lucha show, and then he came and he was in uh, one of the main events in Fog City. And okay. Mike, Mike filled in on one of those shows. And he worked it, and I was like, wait a minute. I saw the result. I'm like, modest. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Is this a rib? has to be a rib on me. But, you know, he's back, and, you know, he's trying to do his thing. And, you know, like, like I said, um, I'm going to have Mike on tomorrow, and we're gonna, I'm going to grill the hell out of him. Dude, that's so cool. I, I just talked to him a couple weeks ago, and I know he's, ba- he's back in the Bay Area. He's in, I think he's in Field or Hayward or somewhere in there, and he's, he's getting back into the swing of things. You know, he had some time off, and... I'm sure, like, because when, when Mike retired, I think I was in Atlanta, and we talked. I think he had maybe 14, 15 years at that time. The amount of injuries and, and the, you know, just, like, the best thing that I've had, as, as bad as this was, was just to mentally get away from the business for a little while because you get so fried. And I, and I mean that in the, in, the, in the humblest way because I didn't have a schedule anywhere near what Modest was. And I was burnt out, you know, so I can't imagine what he was feeling like at that time. That's why it's so amazing to me that Bison is still going without any, without showing any signs of slowing down, you know. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm eager to see Mike when I come out there. I'm eager to see some of his work and see what he's up to now, you know. I'm excited. Well, from, from what I hear through the grapevine, he's kept himself in good shape. Oh, that's um, awesome. Which is oh, awesome. good. He's so smart to the business, man. I don't think he gives himself enough credit sometimes how important he is. I remember there would be times, dude, I'm not even joking. There would be times where I'd be teaching 
practice at Iron, and I just I could not explain this to the person that I was trying to teach in a way that they could understand. I guess you know. And Mike would come out there, and he'd be stirring his cup of coffee. He wouldn't even look. Heard the guy bump, and he and he, he's like, oh, I know exactly what you did wrong, and he fixed it. And my fucking jaw hit the mat. I was like, holy, dude, you didn't even look at what the guy did. I've been sitting here for 30 minutes. I can't get him to do it right. He just heard the bump, and he fixed it, you know. That's how talented he is. So I, I just, I hope he understands that because he's such a benefit, especially to younger guys, you know. Just to have in the locker room, he's such a, he's a guy who's literally been there and done it. And as, as a, you know, not really known as a big guy. To be able to do something like that, that's pretty fucking cool. A perfect example would be you pop in Beyond the Mad and they show the part uh, where they're training in, in the All-Pro the all pro uh, boot camp and Mike's talking something about, you know, you have your face in his crotch. And, you know, it's it's simple where he got his point across and it's where, you know, a five-year-old could understand. And Absolutely. And he was always a guy, like, he was known as a temperamental guy, but I think that was more character than anything. Like, I never really saw a whole lot of craziness. I mean, he definitely whipped up some guys in shape that needed to be put in shape, you know, that needed to be put in line. But he was always very patient. You know, he would explain things over and over again. He would show things over and over again. And if you didn't understand it, then he'd, like, sit back and he'd think for a minute, and then he'd, he'd try and explain it to you in a completely different way. You know, he was a guy that just thrived at teaching, you know. And it was just, it was cool. He was just, he was, he was exactly, when I broke into the business, I didn't go to Iron for two years, you know, the, my first two years of my wrestling career. And when I, that was the, the, the most important thing that ever happened to me was to go to school and to get trained by Mike. That was, that made the biggest difference in, in my work, my work rate, you know. So, and he's done that for a ton of guys, not just me, but I mean, a, 50 guys, every bit of that, you know, he's helped. What, what would the business be without Mike? Let, let's run down these names. Crash Holly, Spike Dunn. Oh, I don't think he would have, you know what, Crash would, I think he would have been successful, actually. Crash was just, he was mm, no, the guy that was no. right on Mike's phone. Now, the thing is, now, Crash worked a completely unselfish style, which made it seem like, he, you know, he went out there to make other guys look good. But Crash would come and do clinics and seminars at Iron, and just hearing the guy talk, you knew he, you knew that he knew what he was talking about. But Bison, Donovan, myself, Vito, Frank Murdoch, I mean, APW in general, if Mike hadn't been in APW, they would not have been this, what they were. Roland would not have made the money that he made. You know, they would never have been beyond the mat. They were only beyond the mat because of Modest and Modest connections and how over. you got to remember, when Beyond the Mat was filmed, Mike was already getting the WWE dark matches, the WCW dark matches, before Barry Boston came in and gave him a hand. That was all on Mike's own merit by himself. Mike got a job in Japan, and then got Donovan Bison, Max Justice, all those guys hired. You know, he was the guy that, that, that broke the barrier down and opened the door for everybody else to come through also. You know, he was like the, he was, okay, I'll give you the perfect example. He was the corrupt uh, guard that was at the Mexican border, that would break through and let all the other Mexicans over to the States. That's what Mike was, in my, in my opinion. <laughs> hey, you, know, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, brother. Uh, I had to throw that in because him and Max did a tag gimmick in, in like, uh, right on the border over in, somewhere in Southern California, and they always did the border patrol. And I thought it was so crazy. I'm like, dude, you're going to get shot. You're going to get stabbed, you know. But he loved it. He loved the heat, so it's cool. Yeah. Well, well, you brought up Max Justice. 
Uh, what happened to that guy? Where is he? I think Max just had a really good job. He just had a really good job. I don't. I, he broke in the business like maybe in his late twenties, you know. So it wasn't timing wise the best thing for him. And I don't think Max ever sought to be like, I don't want to be WWF champion or something like that. Was never Max's Max's thing, you know. He just wanted to do it because he enjoyed it. But he had a banging job, you know. I mean, he made a really really good living as an airplane mechanic, you know, for United. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He, and you know, like. A really good job, you know. And Max was like the gentle giant. He was always a guy that really, he he would stand up for a lot of the young guys that would get kind of ribbed and picked on, you know. Because um, I met Max on just on a on, the, on a random booking before I ever got to Iron, and he he took a shine to me then, and he was always nice to me, you know. He's a really 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 cool guy, but he's not afraid to shut somebody up that needs to get, you know, that's speaking out of line. But as far as I, I just think he it wasn't something he wanted. He got Japan, he did a couple of tours, and I think he's like, you know what, I, I've done everything that I wanted to do. You know, time to go back to normal life again. He's a big, scary guy. Oh, yeah. Scary. <laughs> I've seen him mad before, and, and I've seen him nice, you know, happy before. And I'm always glad that when I was around him, he was, he was pretty happy, you know. Because so, <laughs> he's like 6'7", six, 6'6". Six, six. I'm like, he's a big fucking guy, you know. He's the guy that makes Bison look small. That's how big he is. So it was, it was if if he flipped out, you just you just tended to turn around and just just keep going, man. Just don't look back. Just keep going. Tremendous. Tremendous. But I mean, these were all the guys that, like if, like I I sometimes I feel that like I get a, I get a little bit of heat from some of the boys because I throw some stiff forearms and, and chops and things like that. But look who trained me. It's me. I got taught heat by Modest, Max Justice, and Bison. I mean, for crying out loud, I remember, I remember Bison teaching me forearms one day, and he goes, here, this is how you do it. And he's teaching another guy, and I'm the practicing dummy. And he goes, you don't got to kill the guy. You just gently put it in, and he knocked me out. You know, just on accident. It wasn't on purpose. <laughs> These are the fucking guys that broke me in, man. I mean, what'd you expect, you know? Hey, if you I may not be as big as them, but they didn't let that fly, so... I can't let it fly, you know. Oh, there you go. Who's like the? I haven't been around in a while, so who's like the talk of the town as far as the Indies? Who's the? Uh, give me some NorCal names. Uh, Brian Cage, who uh, he lived, he lived in Atlanta area, and he did some uh, dark stuff for Deep South, and he was trying to get a developmental. And then he moved out here. Uh, Brian Cage, I think, is is probably the top of the food chain up here. He's just who does he work for? He, he, um, you name it. So he oh really? Everybody. Yeah, cool. he works for uh, he works for Gabe. He works for uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, Fog City. He works for anybody, and he's really really good. He's got the look. He's got the look, and you know he's got the body. He can he can go out and work. He's he's in the t- one of the top programs for Fog City, my home company. Um, cool. He's feuding feuding with Baby Slim from San Diego. Oh uh, man, I haven't seen Baby Slim in a long time too. Ah, he's in great shape. He took some time off. You know, he he looked like he had that just got out of prison baby fat look. Then he <laughs> now, now he's ripped. He's in. Is he really? Shape. That's Slim's always a nice guy, man. He was always a really cool guy. Always fun. Yeah. Just. One of the guys that everybody got along with in the locker room, you know. He's a cool well, guy. He's a guy that's on. He's on tomorrow, too. So. Oh, is he? Cool. 
Yeah. Tell him I said hello. Indies. Yeah, he's uh, he's at the top of his game. There's uh, Brandon Bonham. Bonham. Who you know? Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what did he use out there? What, what was the name that he used in the Midwest? But I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I can't remember. But now he's known as the new guy in Pro Wrestling Gorilla. So he's. Oh you know, he's God! This guy. is gonna annoy me to no end now. I gotta I gotta remember this. Ah. Oh. MVP. This is gonna piss me. I'm gonna I'm gonna be thinking about this all. Time. I guarantee you, what's gonna happen is right before I go to sleep, I'm gonna remember. I'm gonna find it. I, I can't remember the, his his working name out there, but I. What about Adam Thorns? How's he doing? Is 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 he? Uh... Thornstow is still tearing it up with the with the world's greatest gimmick. They got the the Reno scum. They're the Freebirds of of the new millennium. Uh, they are so good. They're so good. Uh, Adam is so talented. He's so talented. I always wish that he would, like, I was in Atlanta. I told him to come up there. I was trying to get him a TV spot. I've tried to get him in the Mid-South, and I, I don't know if he really wants to move. I think he's happy with what he's got, but shit, man. It, 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 he is so talented. So talented. It's just, it's amazing. Yeah, he's uh, he's just, he's so, he is so fun to watch. Um, let see who else is doing their thing. Uh... Well, like I said, Mike's back on the scene. Um, you know, the usual APW guys, uh, Venice DeMarco is still doing his thing, still a great heel. Um, yeah, Venice, Venice was always a nice guy, too. He was a really cool guy. He, he's, never gotten, he's never gotten the love that he's deserved. He's, he's a really good, really good heel. Well, and I think, you know, a lot of times in this business, to, you, you have to be an asshole. You know, it's just the nature of the business, just the way it is. And I think, I think Venice was always just a really, really nice guy, and got lumped into that category of just—he's always a nice guy, you know. Okay. Uh, Fortunate. Brandon, Brandon Bonham used the name Kid Crazy. There you go. Oh, I feel better now. There you go. Oh, it's like a weight lifted off my shoulders. <laughs> Brandon Bonham has been—he's been teaming up here and in other places with Brian Cage. So, and they're a really good team. Um, they're, he's breaking through Bonham's breaking through in Gorilla and you know other things so uh, keep your eyes out on him um, I mean you've seen him you know the kid is he's yeah, a good he's, look you know he's, and he's, really and he's a, you know, a relative young guy but getting in, in like PWG is the place for him man just to be around like a lot of times you could be really talented and get nowhere because you don't have the right guys around you you know, and just just to mold you. And every night somebody comes up and says, "Hey, I just got one thing, one little small critique." And if you get that, you know, over the span of a year, that's a lot of critiquing and that's a lot of improvement. You know, that's the place to be in my book, man. If if uh, any guy in California, if if there's if there's a company that you need that you want to get into that get you exposure and that you're going to get talked about, get into PWG. I mean, not to take away from the other companies, but they're, I mean, I'm out in Chicago, and it's like every day on the message boards, and every, they're the talk of, of out here still, you know. They're the ones that have the, the reach this far, so. Well, they're the measuring stick as far as as, uh, as shows in California, and that that's cool. There's always got to be, you know, the top dog, and then all the other companies will be clawing their way up. But uh, Brandon, he's working up here. He's working in Central California. He's working in L.A. He he did a shot for for my buddy Jeff Dino in SoCal Pro Wrestling in San Diego uh, against one of the Young Bucks. And you know, I mean, he's all over California, and <clears throat> it's pretty much now it's it's word of mouth. He's working for Gorilla, and that's all that he needs to say. 
I'm the new guy, Brandon Bonham, from Pro Wrestling Gorilla, and that's it. He doesn't even have to send a resume. That's it. It's name recognition, and he's getting booked off that, and more power to him because he's a great guy. He is awesome, humble outside the ring, awesome guy, uh, great look, uh, white, white meat baby face, pretty, pretty boy kind of baby face, and, and his work is, is exemplary. I can't put him, up, put him over enough, and I'm not saying that because we're buds. I'm saying he's just that fucking good. And so how many companies are in California now? Because like when I left, there, there was three. All right. There's Supreme, obviously. They just okay. had their eight year. There's uh, pro Re- or, uh, All Pro Wrestling. There's okay. Pro Wrestling Revolution, which is Gabe Ramirez's new company. Um, okay. All over the place. Gabe is fucking doing everything. That kid is putting in the work, and they're all over. They just had a show this past weekend. Gabe Ramirez, was, I thought he was with APW. Not anymore. Okay, all right, so there's another split. Okay, so now we've now we got three. Yeah, he jumped out. That's three. There's Gorilla. There's the three companies in San Diego, which are running regularly, New Wave, uh, SoCal Pro, and LLII, which is a lucha promotion. Those three have LA taking, or uh, San Diego. LA, there's uh, AWS for BART in City of Industry, um, and Gorilla. Then there's smaller shows. There's uh, – up here, there's MPT's company in Orville, Mr. Primetime's company. Uh, their PCW, they're running regularly. You know, there's a lot of work up here. Yeah, when I, when I left in 04, man, there was SPW, PWI, APW, and PWG. So there's four. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, can't forget Kirk White, big-time wrestling every two months. That's and right. Kirk is still doing it, still chucking away. Um, there's Jesse. EWF, you know, there's 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 a scene out here. Oh yeah, that's hey, that's good, man. Because California was such a hard area. It's it's nice to see that a lot of guys have places to work. You know, that's pretty good. Well, that and that's good for the fans, and you know, we all get to commute and carpool and everything. You know, all right. it's, it's, you know, the camaraderie with the fans, even. You know, you pack guys and you know guys in the van and go. You know. What so what's like the average house then? Like how many how many fans come to an average show? I can't say anything other than for my 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 family company, my my group that I work with, Fog City. They sold out their first three shows. Um, turn away, the building held 350, and we had to turn away people. That's wow. what I can do. And hey. on their third show, the third show, which was the one where they had five five shows that night, they still drew, and they 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 cut up the pie where everybody got that 300. So it was kind of strange. Where one company didn't outdraw the other, it was there were five shows and everybody got a piece of the pie, <clears throat> which is amazing. Companies working together, get out of here! I don't um, buy it for a second. Not really working together, but just yeah, I mean, sure, there's heat between promoters. Of course, it wouldn't be wrestling without heat, right? <laughs> but then you know, it's not gotten to the point where you can't work for them or you can't work for us. It has that is like one of my my the terms in in this business that I hate the most is heat, and just because it's so overused, like heat is is meant for it's a portion of the match, and I love it when guys like I, I oh I got heat with this guy, yeah you're a fucking idiot then, you know it's a business you quit quit your pissing contest you know ah oh, it just cracks me up I got heat with this guy heat with that guy. <laughs> especially promoters guys who don't don't even work you know I love it ah oh, I love it. 
but yeah, we're we're striving and we're thriving up here. It's it, you know it's amazing, and it's it's not just uh, bringing in an old timer to headline. I mean, we we have Gabe that's running heavy heavy lucha influence. Uh, this past show, this past weekend in Santa Maria, I think it was Santa Maria or Santa Ana, one or the other. He brought in E.O. Abrams, Ray Mysterio Jr., who's a draw, uh, the the Ray Senior's kid, who's a draw, and he's really good, and he's like 20, and he popped the house. Um, I didn't get attendance figures, but I saw a picture of the venue before the main event, and it was packed. For for some reason, that town, Santa Maria. They draw for some reason. I don't know why, but they pack houses. All Pro Wrestling has been doing it for years, and now Gabe's running the same town, and they're packing houses. But more power to them. The biggest thing is like you got to have a uh, you got to have a, a bond with your crowd. You know, if you can have that bond with your crowd, and they, they appreciate you and they respect what you do, then you know they'll always they'll always come support you. I think as as many years as Gabe has been out there, I think you know, I think he's accomplished that. So, I mean, that's probably why they're drawn so well. They've just been working so goddamn hard. There you go. Well, you know, I I have my personal opinions and feelings about Roland Alexander as a promoter and as a man, but I give it to Gabe. Gabe sat under that learning tree and he learned from everybody. And you know, you take the good, you take the bad, and then what's left is what you have. And Gabe's uh, doing shit right. Obviously, if he filled up that fucking building this past weekend, he did something right. Yeah, and that's like I I don't know any of those guys because I never affiliated. I never worked APW. I I think I met Roland maybe one time, you know, and it was like in passing. So I I can't really speak on a personal about any of those guys. But hey, if you if you're drawing and your and your business is working, then more power to you. You know, I think as well. Then that that just helps other companies. That just makes wrestling close to mainstream again. You know. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. You know, left and right, you see you see newspaper ads, you see flyers, and everything up here. You know, it's just it's. But hey, it's cool. You know, it's to the point where this this coming weekend, uh, Sunday and Monday, there's a Raw, or a SmackDown taping Sunday in San Jose, and Raw on Monday in Oakland. I'm not going into either show, but I'm going to be there, flyering all those fucking cars, and I'm <clears throat> I have to get my radio show out there. But it's boom. It's booming again up here, and it's great for the fans, for the boys. Everybody's working every weekend and not complaining about having to drive down from Reno. I mean, Adam and those boys, they all pack into a van every fucking weekend and drive down here from Reno. I keep in touch with Sir Samurai. He's, he's always been a good friend of mine. He always keeps me informed. Like, yeah, they, honestly, he, he does more bookings than I do. You know, I mean, shit. They they work. Sometimes I'll, I'll be I'll be fortunate. I'll have a, like a couple weeks off here, two three weeks off there. They don't. They work every week, and it's like it's more power to you, man. That's the more you work, the better it is, in my opinion. You know. Well, the more people that see Adam in the ring, you know, the better. Just that kid is so talented, and uh, yeah. the angle the angle that the scum is doing now in Fog City is they're they're beating up on cruiserweights and luchadors. <laughs> so. And it's fun. It's fun. Um, Who's with him? So is it Adam and Luster and Malachi? Are they the three? No. Or? It's Adam, Luster, and uh, Paul Isadora, the big dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the workers. And then you have Shane Dynasty on the mic, which is gold. <laughs> Shane, man. Better mouth on the West Coast than Shane Dynasty. Shane was one of the first guys that really helped me out when I, when I first started. Well, Shane. Yeah, brother. 
We share. I, I love Shane. He guy's awesome. Yeah, I don't think there's a better heat guy, you know, to gen to to generate heat as far as with a crowd than that guy. And he doesn't have to use the cheap San Francisco heat, you know, gay this, giant suck, or any. He doesn't have to do that. Right. We're we're from Reno, and we'll beat the shit out of you. And that's it. And it's money. That guy, that fucking stable is money. And that's the reason why they're driving down in the Bay Area every fucking weekend. Right. Getting the yeah, so, I mean, hey, they're in demand, you know. They're yeah, definitely... Because I, I saw Paul and Luster in... Uh, where did I see him? I think I saw him in St. Louis, like, maybe six months ago or something like that. You know, I, I Paul is, is awesome. I, I think if he just had the right kind of direction and met the right people and, you know, and, and learned the things that he needs to learn to work as a big man, he's going to be right along there with a guy like Bison. You know, he's really, really good. Really good. Yeah, he he does need to learn from a learn how to be a big man, you know. And unfortunately, there aren't that many big men to teach. You know? <laughs> well, there you go. Bison's out of the country. Max is retired. You know, right. There aren't many big guys here, and you know the big guys that are here do their own thing because you know the they're the big guys are you know the Samoans. I, right. I go out on the limb and and say that they're the reason that Fog City is drawing what they're drawing, and that's a shoot because they're Fog City. Uh, Caesar and the other guys that run the company, they are smart. They're using the Samoans. They're using Rikishi. They're using Tonga Kid, Olafa. They're, you know, they're drawing into that old school San Francisco feel because, you know, those guys, I saw those guys in the stands when I was growing up as fans. And, you know, they know where they come from and they respect it. Uh, like Black Pearl, uh, Reno. I give Reno all the props in the world, man. Those guys are working so hard. Italy, France, uh, you know, Europe has blown the fuck up, and I give them all the credit in the world for it. And, you know, they work hard. You know, they work hard. And they're and loyal and as hell. Today, you know, they're really, really, they're really good, too. I, uh, it's just, it's cool to that team thrive, man, because when, when I was last there, it was, it was on its ass, you know. And it's nice to see all these guys have work now. That's really cool. Well, sure. I mean, that's why I disappeared from the scene. It died. It died. Right. After the, after the Iron Shows with Masawa, that was it. That, and that, that was like, that was my last show, you know, was the one with Masawa. So it was like, I went out on the high note, you know. For me, personally, it was awesome. But it was like, once those guys left, it just it just bottomed out. And it's it's really hard to build it back up once it goes down that far. And it's like, not only did they did that, but they went past what they had previously set as the standard. You know, so that's well, pretty mean, cool. I, when I, where are you be heading out this way, heading out to the Midwest? Uh, that's a good I, question. We talked. You said something about coming out this way. If you get Modest booked out there, I'm going. Listen, man, I've been trying. That that's a shoot. I've been trying. Me and Vito have been trying to bring him into Elite for like three months. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. I mean, how who better to guest referee against me and Vito? You know, exactly. our fucking. Yeah, we. I dude. Are you kidding me? It's just it's a matter of logistics and timing. It's just you know, and getting him to come out here. That's one of the things I want to talk to him about when I get there. But it's like, are you? I, I would be all over that. I'm even trying to get Donovan. I, I'm trying to call Donovan too and bring him in. I'm just because I'm a mark, you know. <laughs> Wasn't Donovan on in the rotation this past Sunday? Ah, uh, he was on. I think it was two or three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah, he was. He was. He was on, and he was on with Drake. Uh, one of the one of the guys that was a student there, 
while we were there. And he's he's just Tommy Drake is probably one of the funniest guys I've ever met. So having him and Diamond on and just going back and forth and the dynamic between them and the jokes and everything was <laughs> it was really entertaining. But I definitely like it. Tommy's I want those guys out thing. here. Tommy's still doing his thing out there in Arizona. You know, he's working every weekend. Uh, right, he's still doing, doing pretty thing. good. Um, well, <clears throat> I'm going to get in a, a cheap plug before tomorrow's show. Um, anybody that wants to book or contact Mike Modest, myspace.com backslash Michael Modest. Hit him up. Uh, Mike would love to take any bookings, uh, honestly. Um, I know I'm stepping out on a limb, but I, I need more DVD footage of current Michael Modest. That's my own <laughs> selfishness. But Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, I'll keep you informed as far as if, if we're, when we're bringing them out this way. And then uh, see if you want to make the trip out too. Definitely. Definitely. I'd love to sleep on your couch. No, no, no. That's not going to happen at all. I, I don't, no, you're not coming over to my place. Maybe Vito's place. Not coming to my house. Why? I, listen, I live, I live in just the ghetto of downtown Chicago. So, That's okay. So if you're going to want to come to my neighborhood. Hey, dude, it's not like I rib you. You don't have any hair for me to shave, so. Oh, no, you would listen, I'm telling you, dude, you, you park a car and you wouldn't even make it to my apartment, man. You know, for anybody that knows Chicago, I live at West 26 in Kedzie. I'm a mile, I tell everybody I'm a mile away from all the crime, and bullets rarely travel a mile. But sometimes they do, you know, so it's, it's up to you. It's your own risk. <laughs> Tremendous. <laughs> so, uh, do we have any elite pro shows coming up? Let's uh, let's do some plugging. Got one. Uh, we're taking the month of June off, um, not for any kind of reason other than the fact that the guy that books our venues is a fucking idiot and didn't book a June show. But uh, we're gonna go. We got July consistent. We got double shot coming up in August. Um, but the thing is, the main thing with our with our company is is our school and our TV. You know, we still we're fortunate that we actually when we say we have weekly TV, we put free stuff online, but we have twenty six episodes. Yep, we're on the we're on the twenty sixth episode. Things are going well. We've always said from day one we're a work in progress. You got three stoners that we're you know we're just the boys trying to run a company, and we have a lot of young talent that's really 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 talented. If you just give them a chance, I really think that uh. Because we we ended up becoming like a feeder company for Mid South, for Mid South and for Chikara, we've been just kind of throwing talent back and forth between them. So I mean, I I really think highly of our boys. I really think highly of our shows. We don't do what has become the norm of of uh, we don't cater to the boys. You know, I'm sorry. We we work like WWE. We work we cater to kids. We cater to ticket sales. We cater to TV. So you know. We might have some Japanese-style matches and everything, but I'm not going to put on the product what I think, what I'm a fan of, because what I'm a fan of doesn't sell, you know. So we're doing things, we're just doing things a little bit differently. We're trying to be an old-school TV company with a new twist, new talent, you know. So not to say that we don't do the cool moves and the flippy-dippies and everything. We definitely do that, but we don't book things in the sense of like, oh, I think this would be a cool match. You know, we actually have thought-out storylines, you know, guys, everybody in our company has an angle, and it goes a year at least. You know, so we try and work with everybody and get everybody anything that we can get them. At the same time, we have fun. So I think uh, I think it's a fun company, you know, but I, obviously I'm biased. So, so far, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
I mean, it's going well. We're not losing money. We're, we're making a decent amount. We got 14 students. You know, I mean, shit. That's. I think we're right up to where Iron was, if not a step ahead, because we, we we got our school to where Iron was at, but Iron didn't have TV, and we topped them. So, make sure you mention that one to Mike. <laughs> See what he says. Before I let you go, I, I have to mention a name that has touched me and and has has made me really happy to be an independent wrestling fan. Willie DeBomb Richardson. Willie, yeah. I, I like Dream. Willie was a guy that was kind of toiling around in the Midwest Indies. And when we started Elite, when we took over Elite Pro, because it was started by other guys, and then we took over the book. When the other guys came in, they just hired all their buddies, guys that they used to work with. When we started coming in, we said, all right, there's two other major promotions in the area, IWA Mid-South and AEW. And our goal was to not use any of the talent. You know what? We're going to take all the guys that everybody else has kind of thrown aside and said, we can't work with these guys. We're going to take those guys, and we're going to give it a go. And Willie was one of those guys. He was just a big guy who never was given a chance, and he came to Elite Pro, and he did, like, I'll be honest with you, he did okay. You know, he wasn't by, you know, five-star by any means. But he went to Chikara, man, and he tore it up. And, that, and I, before he left, like, we told him, like, look, this is you guys' chance for all, all the soul touchers. And because they're all super talented guys, nobody was just willing to give them a chance. You know, it's like you can't bring a guy in for one show and expect him to set the world on fire. If you're going to bring them in, you've got to commit some time. You've got to commit some effort in, into the angles. And just when they fall, you've got to pick them back up, you know. And that's just the way it is. It's a team effort. And Willie was one of those guys that he just went to Chikara, and everybody immediately, and I'm sure you, you felt this way, I felt this way. As soon as you see him, you're like, oh, all right, well, I mean, I guess I'll watch, you know. And then he went in there and started doing head scissors and started doing some really cool shit, and I was like, wow. And he blew some people away, you know. So, I mean, if, if you like Willie, I'm, I'm telling you, you'll love the rest of the roster. Because that's, that's what we have. We just have guys that are talented, just nobody was ever willing to give, give them a shot. You know, I mean, they worked, the, don't get me wrong, they worked the small indies. But I, I'd like to think of ourselves now that we're not on that level anymore. We have a little bit larger of a demographic, you know. And it's nice to get these guys on there. Because me personally, like, I think Willie's great, but I think Marche Rocket is the standout guy. That guy is insanely talented. Insane. You put 30 pounds on him in like a year, he'll be, he'll, I guarantee it, he'll be the next big thing on the indies. He'll be the guy. After, after this tournament, because he's in the Young Lions Cup for Chikara, after this tournament, I guarantee you, you, you read the message boards about Willie or about Marche before this tournament, and then you read them afterwards. I guarantee you, you'll be amazed. Yeah, they were, that was just, just fun. I, I mean, I, I heard that they tore it up. I heard that they tore it up, and, and I didn't believe that they, that they did it at the level that they did. Then I got in my box from Smart Mark and, and I popped it in. Night two, uh, Chikara King of Trios, match number two, and I just watched it. I was I was in awe of of, of Willie, the way that he captivated that Philly crowd. Totally, he's just got that charisma, you know, that he emotionally draw that crowd. And it was so cool. And I like the thing is, I I've never met the powers that be at Chikara. Like I don't really know who the guys are, but. They're, most of their, their suggestions and things like that is made by their senior guy, Mike Quackenbush. And Quack came in for, you know, a shot with us. Or no, I think it's Petty. 
and he saw our guys while he was in town. He saw those three, and he came right up to us. He's like, listen, I want those guys. I want them on my next show. And we're like, really? He goes, listen, I want, I want the Soul Touchers. There, you go. Don't worry. I will. I will talk to whoever I got to talk to, Chikara. I will make it happen. But I want those guys. Okay, you know. And he's like, and he saw. He saw it in them. So the credit goes to Quackenbush. He's the guy that went like, listen, these guys are going to get over, and they're going to get over huge, you know. So, and he was right, and he was absolutely right. They got over. And who who goes into the Philly Arena on their first night and gets over like that? You know, doesn't happen often. It's not many people. It's his very first night. They got a standing ovation. That's got to count for something. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, this will springboard uh, springboard Willie into a, a trip out west. I would love to see him here live. Um, if not, I guess I got to come to Chicago to see him. Damn it. I'd like to see him in PWG, man. I think he would do some good things with some guys in PWG. That'd be really cool. Him and uh, him and Human Tornado, I think, will be. Do, do oh, Tornado's going to be out for a while. Maybe when Tornado gets back. He tore up his knee pretty bad, bad for a man. Because there's really, there's few guys that I've met that are nicer than Tornado. He's such a cool guy. It just sucks. Have not just an injury, but such a devastating injury, you know. Yeah. All right, well, let's run down the plugs. EliteProWrestling.com? Yes, sir. Visit EliteProWrestling.com. Any kind of information as far as our... Weekly TV shows, our dojo, uh, any live events. Also, IWAMidSouthWrestling.com. That's um, the, bread, the bread and butter of the Midwest, in my opinion. You know, the top talent that's out here. Um, let's see, MySpace. MySpace.com slash Sal Tomaselli, just if you want to, I don't know, throw an insult or two or a joke or whatever, whatever you'd like. I'm a man of the people, by the people, and for the people. So. Also, uh, SmartMarkVideo.com. Uh, type in Sal Tomaselli and see what happens. <laughs> Be good times for all. There it is. All right, Sally Sack, thanks for for coming on for an hour. You said you give me a half, but you gave me an hour. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. Thanks for having Take me. Take care of yourself and stiff the shit out of your brother when you come back for me. Don't worry about it. And, and please, do me a favor. Tomorrow, tell Mott if I said, I said hello. I, I, it's really important. Definitely. All right there, Sally. Thank you for your time, brother. Get back to work. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. Take care, man. <laughs> All right, brother. Take it easy. All right. Wow. Talk about another fun interview. Midwest independent superstar, Mr. Sally Sack, Sal Tomaselli. Um, that's an inside joke. Don't don't even try to uh, figure that one out. But Sal, thanks again for your time, brother. It was fun. Uh, Jesse Hernandez was on in the first hour. Um, schooling people. Um, again, it was my pleasure sitting under that learning tree. Um, learn something every day. You know, um, we, we try to pass on any kind of knowledge. Sure, I'm not a worker, but I mean, I've been a fan forever. I've seen, you know, everything. I've seen, you know, the inner workings of the business. I've seen um, the way people draw money. I've seen all kinds. You know, how to get heat, how to do all this, whatnot. Um, plus, you know, if if you're humble and and you're nice about it. As opposed to being a being a film critic, you know the companies will listen. The boys will listen if you're nice about it and not overly critical. Um, if you talk to them, you know one on one like like they're a person, they'll give you the same respect. Um, that's that's what I, I like to like to do on the show. I have the boys on, you know, talk shit, tell stories, and you know all this other stuff. 
you know, talk about the business as well. I mean, everybody has been really open and honest with me on the air, and, and I do appreciate it. Um, like I said, I, I do that. Like I told Jesse, I do this show. I have the older the older veterans on so that the the younger kids can hear and learn um, how you know so they could understand the business. Because I mean, I go back to the the late seventies uh, as a fan, and you know, it was a simpler time and. You know, I I want the you know the younger kids and you know even the even the guys that have been in for a while. You have to respect the past, the present, to get to the future. And yeah, you know, the business will come around. It, it is a cyclical uh, business. It will come back around. Um, you know, like I was talking with Jesse and you know and, and reminiscing here with Sal. Um, you know, we have mutual friends up here in Northern California. And yes, the Thomasellis are missed out here. I think that that if they lived out here now, they would be top drawing stars. Um, I think that the the three Thomaselli brothers and the Reno Scum would be a, a a big money program, not just in Supreme Pro in Sacramento. I'm talking about all over the Bay Area, even Southern California. But that's just me. And but they're doing their thing out there out there in Illinois, Chicago area. Um, you know, for Elite Pro Wrestling dot com, they're they're running their own thing. They got the TV deal. Uh, they're doing that. Uh, 26 episodes in, man. Elite TV. You know, fuck. They got to be doing something right. You know, and they're they're also working regularly for for Ian at IWA Mid South. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously, you know, Acid, uh, Brandon Tomaselli, uh, Dysfunction. These boys, they're they're doing everything right out there, and I have to put them over and give them all the credit in the world. You guys are doing the right thing for the business. Um, those 14 students that that attend the Elite Dojo, I know you boys are being trained properly uh, because the Tomasellis were broken in, or Sal was broken in by Mike Modest, and uh, Vito was uh, refined and polished by Mike out here. So, I mean, they're being taught properly. Uh, they respect the business. They respect the past of the business. Um, you know, all the names that, that we brought up here talking today, I mean, they're they're all, you know, real deal, you know, the uh, the Reno Scum, uh, Brandon Bonham, Brian Cage, uh, Baby Slim, Mike Modest. These guys—they're the real deal. And th- these guys aren't weekend warriors. They—they they love the business. They're out there working hard. They're—they're they're showing respect to their craft, and they're sharing and they're teaching uh, to the next generation of kids. And you know, you gotta give them fucking credit. You know, they're being. The veteran. That's what being a veteran is all about. It's about teaching and sharing. And, uh, you know, once again, I got to put them over. But you know, I'm getting long-winded here, so let's uh, wrap things up. Uh, tomorrow's show will be back on at seven o'clock, uh, seven p.m. Pacific, ten p.m. Eastern. Uh, how about nine p.m. Central for those that are in the Chicago land area? Uh, first hour, we will have the natural one, Michael Modest, my personal favorite independent wrestler, on. Um, in the second segment, for half an hour, we will have the New York knockout, Nikki, who's one of the baddest bitches in all of California. I've seen her go against the boys, the girls. Uh, she can go. And pulling up the rear, the main event is my brother from another mother from San Diego, Big Baby Slim. Um, brother man is making his way up here. Northern California for Fog City. He's in one of the main event programs with Brian Cage. Um, nice guy. Uh, and this is for you, G. Keep it gangsta. Um, yeah, that's tomorrow's show. Uh, let's run down the sponsors. Uh, FogCityWrestling.com. 
uh, July 5th. They will be making their debut at the Kizar Auditorium. Uh, the lineup is stacked. I can't even go 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 over it. FogCityWrestling.com. Uh, go there, pick up your tickets, uh, check out the lineups. There's all kinds of people coming in for the show. Uh, this is going to be fun stuff. Um, I'm not going to let anything out of the bag. That's that's Caesar's deal. So, uh, FogCityWrestling.com. You get all the information on that show. Come on out. Say hi to KZ. I'll be the idiot there in the Rebel Guard Radio t-shirt. So, um, Also, the other sponsor would be WrestleWarehouse.com. Um, you could get your Lucha Libre masks, DVDs uh, from SoCal Pro Wrestling, um, all kinds of different DVDs, t-shirts, like I said, masks, WWE swag, action figures. There's all kinds of shit up there. Um, tell Jeff that KZ from Rebel Guard Radio sent you. Uh, you can hit us up, myspace.com backslash Radio and our soon-to-be-updated website, rubberguardradio.com. This has been our 63rd show, or is it 64? 63rd. But make sure that you tune in tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Pacific for Casey's Birthday Bash. Uh, yeah, I'm turning 35 on Sunday. Yes, I'm an old-timer now, so I am officially going to be out of the WWE's key demographic. So fuck you, Vince. You won't get my rating. But until tomorrow, guys, keep indies alive.